like pornography. I know, Shut up. I know Calm TV down. when I see it. Calm down. podcast that believes that culture is appropriation, that the only cultures that aren't steeped in that natural human instinct to borrow, steal, and remix either never met an outsider who was then permitted to leave or just completely sucked, that the only culture that doesn't get appropriated is the culture that no one cares about, that there is, of course, a meaningful difference between a taco truck run by a couple of well-meaning white ladies and a Cinco de Mayo noche at somebody's condo, complete with party favor mini molcajites just purchased from Bed Bath & Beyond, frozen margaritas with Mexican flag stir sticks sticking out of them that are actually, uh, whoops, Italian flag stir sticks, party city sombreros for all, and authentic-ish Mexican blanket ponchos for the first half dozen to show up, that there is a difference, yes, but is the latter a sin, or just really quite lame and unfortunate. The latter is clearly the latter, and the former is just fine, actually, that people who discover a passion for the traditional foods of another place and combine it with that very natural human urge to provide sustenance to others in exchange for money and maybe a little feel-good comedy and togetherness aren't doing anything wrong, that culture doesn't belong to any one person rather than another, or even any one group rather than another, that fundamentally you don't get to pick what you like or what you want, that you might be able to develop your tastes, but you don't get to choose them, that while you might, maybe, do what you will, you certainly can't will what you will. A podcast that believes that what makes you happy, what fills you with joy so that it bursts on your face for all the world to see, whether you want the world to know or not, that can't belong to any one person at the expense of another. Partaking of that shared humanity, adding some of your own to it, and sending it back out to the world for someone else to find their joy, or find their melancholy, or find their heartbreaking and soul-expanding connection with another human being in this lonely life, on this lonely planet, can't possibly be a sin, for it is the thing that binds us, that makes us who we are, that allows us to stand out from the just-as-natural brutality all around us and declare this is what we share. This is what separates us from the violence of chaos and falling apart that is the universe ripping entropically away at 163,000 miles per hour, that taking the seeds of your human inheritance, an inheritance which is your natural birthright by nothing more than the fact of your own individual human dignity, and an inheritance that has nothing to do with the peculiar facts of your birth or the happenstance of your ancestral lineage, that tending to those seeds just to preserve them and conserve them is guaranteed death, that the perpetuation of culture and maybe life itself depends on you taking it in and making it new, making it yours, and propagating it back out into the world for others to know and to love and to despise and consider and recognize and wonder at what they see of themselves in something seemingly so foreign, what they see of you in them, a podcast that believes that culture is appropriation and conversation, that it is equal parts conservation and cannibalism, equal parts consumption and recreation. 
A podcast that says that you, the almighty scolding you, don't get to tell anyone how it is that they must be human. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing, Lori? I'm good. Lori, I didn't know you were such a Eminem fan. Good, and here she is <laughs> with the Eminem stuff again. Tonight is Monday, February the sixth, twenty twenty-three. Let's see here, Abe. Did you uh, did you watch the Grammys? I uh, I have not yet watched the Grammys. I hear that the ratings were up uh, over last year. Really? So that's, that's what you heard. People no. like the Grammys this Nobody year. Nobody watched the fucking Grammys. People watch the Grammys. Old people, old <laughs> people watch the Grammys. They liked them. I talked to a lot of them today. I don't know what the breakdown is demographic wise, but I do wonder if it does skew old because you know people grew up watching it, so they probably are still watching it. I don't think the youth are watching the Grammys these days. The Grammys are the bad, stupid Grammys stepchild suck. of the award show season, right? Like oh, nobody cares also, about the Grammys. N- not, not to uh, this. Don't take this as some sort of dig at Viola Davis or anyone who uh, wins Uh-oh. a Grammy. But you know, I was uh, on the news this morning. They were talking about you know this EGOT status, right? You know, yeah. You get an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Yeah. And Viola Davis, an actress, uh, won a Grammy, and now she apparently has the whole EGOT. What did she win a Grammy for? For a audiobook. And this is what I was thinking. So of the all the four categories, the Grammys must be the easiest to win, right? Of the four? Mm, probably. Right? I mean, at Tony, I you actually have to do some sort of thing. Like, Tony's oh, are hardest, just gotta I think. You've got to be famous and do a thing. I mean, to- yeah, I mean it depends, though. Cause if you you're- have to be on Broadway in a play. Right. Like, that's like, there aren't that many plays. Tony, like, that's one of the things that cheapens the grammys to me is there's so much music produced right and it like, doesn't even have to be can't be the best of it like no matter yeah. what it is you can't pick a best it there's is... no adequate way to to separate yeah, yeah you're or, right like there's yeah. only so many movies there's only so much tv there is even less theater that is you know seen it's also just such a way, com- uh, it's such a completely meaningless like i mean i don't know not to go full like weirdo here but why have a Grammys at all? Like, what do you mean best? The best rock and exactly. roll song of the no, year? What the fuck does that even that. mean? Well, why is that limited to the Grammys? You, you don't think it's the same thing with best picture or... I don't think it's the same thing as, it's not as the acting. It's the same thing. Or, or as even like screenplay writing or something. Like, you know, because it's, it's just such an entirely purely subjective... And like who listens to what? Like the Billboard Music Awards make more sense to me than yeah. the Grammys do. It's like, here's what's right. sold the most and that's what we're going to celebrate here tonight. I don't know. It is extremely funny to me that I was looking at the list of Grammy winners and Ozzy Osbourne won for Rock and Roll Record of the Year or Album of the Year. It's like, do we really think that Ozzy Osbourne, who who just announced that he can't even tour any longer because he's too old and breaking down, uh, made the best rock record of last year? Like Nobody actually thinks that. To be fair, no one said best performance like on tour. This is uh, just no, but just he can't music. possibly have made the best rock album. That's so <laughs> That's stupid. And if he did, if somehow he did, how much of it had to do with Ozzy Osbourne's presence 
in the control room or even in the recording booth or anything at all. Right. Like I don't <laughs> No. That is an old decrepit right. human being who barely functions any longer. What are you talking about? Make, making an accusation. I, I I do wonder, like, you know, with I believe the Emmys, they ask the shows to like, hey, we're not gonna watch all this shit, right? Just right. give us an you, episode or two that you were confident in and the, we'll the, the four year consideration process where AMC puts together like a whole box of DVDs and then sends that right. around. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if it's like that with music, like you know, like are, are, yeah, are they listening to all campaign. of this music or just yeah, just it's just some it's shit. just the stupidest one. I uh, did not watch the Grammys. We didn't see a second of it. Although I did watch a YouTube clip of the the fifty years of hip hop thing that they did. Oh, they did look. Yeah, I heard about that. I haven't watched. It's like it. a, a thirteen minute long tribute to fifty. It's that's worth watching. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that. Oh, and that it was in part what's what gave birth to my open there, which is that. There's a moment in the in the 50 year tribute. I to told you this hip-hop. was about Eminem. I fucking told you. First I knew all, that was about Eminem. <laughs> Eminem didn't make it on the stage for the tribute to hip hop. And why do you think? I, I don't know. I'm sure there are reasons. Perhaps melanin related reasons, but I, I didn't make the decisions <laughs> there. Uh, also, Vanilla Ice was for some reason absent from the stage. Oh. Cur- curious, uh, but. No, it was uh, it was actually really wonderful, and like the, there's just a whole list of important and famous hip hop stars through the years who come up and do a quick verse and then uh, move on to the next one. It was very well produced, and Buster Rhymes comes out. And actually, what was great about when Buster Rhymes comes out is that first Big Boy comes out. He of he of Outcast fame, right? Yes. And he does uh, a quick verse, and you're thinking like, oh shit, could could Andre? 3,000 oh, yeah. coming out next? Like, could that be the next thing? Uh, the, the the little curtain raises or the door, the fancy door opens, and Buster Rhymes comes out. It's like, oh, that's even cooler than if Andre 3,000 came out. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, sorry for ruining it. But when, yeah. Busta, when Buster Rhymes comes out, they cut to Jay-Z. And I usually, like, I usually think it's very silly to cut to the audience to get audience reactions. Like, well, these people are yeah. like idiots. And they always end up cutting to, like, the same three or four people who are having the most fun. So it's like, ah, right. there's that fat white lady dancing in the aisles again it's like why do they keep cutting to her well she's the only one doing anything interesting but they cut to jay-z when buster rhymes comes out and the look on his face was just unadulterated pure fanboy joy in the show i don't know he was wife uh, was running for stuff oh you mean why he wasn't uh, yeah i I guess that's that's an oversight that's i don't know anything and i feel like jay-z is pretty important yeah i I mean what what are you who are you gonna take off like i mean i don't know who put it together but like you've got (laughs) buster rhymes no No. buster rhymes rules what are you talking about i'm not aware that you are such a big fan of buster rhymes bob that's uh the more you know buster rhymes is fucking terrific what are you talking about this is now a hip-hop podcast, podcast. <laughs> we discussed the finer points of 90s pop rap uh, anyway it was great and, and seeing the look on jay-z's face when buster rhymes comes out and does his thing was just it was fucking priceless and we'll get into uh, reasons, other reasons for my my rant about cultural appropriation there uh, at the end of the show. I think when we talk about uh, another Oscar nominated film that we watched this weekend. Oh, but uh, okay. but yeah, that was the extent of my exposure to the Grammys, and I didn't watch any of the of the NFL's newly updated Pro Bowl thing that they did. 
Yeah. So- sounded like uh, the players were into it, uh, based on what I read this morning. Yeah, I recorded it. Maybe we'll we'll watch it with the kids or something. Lori took the kids up to her father's place to do some skiing this weekend. I got to stay Ooh. home and that work on some fun. stuff. That must have been fun. Yeah, but... Therefore, I wasn't going to sit there on a Sunday by myself and watch the flag football refereed by the Mannings or whatever they were doing. <laughs> I uh, This weekend on Saturday, friend of the show, Tyler, he was having a uh, poker get-together. Oh, yeah? and uh, you, played, you played poker with Tyler this weekend? Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Catch it. I didn't win. I came in third. By the way, I, I realized why poker hasn't been a thing that I do that often because it's like these things where, like, especially if you're just shooting the shit, it can go on for a while. I, I get to Tyler's friend's place like at five, and I think I got home at midnight, and I, you know, yeah. it was mostly just poker. I mean, it wasn't seven hours of poker, but it was like five hours of of poker, right. of just <laughs> taking your time somebody's getting something and it takes a, a few seconds but no it's a lot of fun uh it's been a while since i played poker sound like you really didn't want to be hanging out with tyler on saturday no, no, night no. for quite it so was a long lot of fun. No, <laughs> i remember i used to play a lot more poker and i was thinking why don't we do that more often with you know, not even just with tyler's people but just like right. the other friends that i got uh, they we would have poker nights, and it just kind of just fizzles away. And I think this may be why. It's like it's too much it of a time to, commitment. It can tend to, like, dominate. It can dominate. go forever. Yeah. And also, you can hang out and not play poker. What's it this? It turns out. We did. Remember last weekend? <laughs> oh, we we just hung right. out. It's fun to have, like, a central organizing principle. The problem with yeah. it is that you people always want to grow the game and, like, bring more people yeah. in. And then it becomes, like, instead of just hanging out with friends and buds, it becomes, like... Uh, now there's 20 people here and we're here to play cards and this fucking matters. Like we're not here to just hang out and, and yeah. be buds. We got to, we got to play cards here and that's not as much fun. Yeah. Tyler's an old, old fan of the show. One of the, one of the first. Does he still listen? Though? I don't know if he still yes. listens. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. He, is he listening? That's good. Hey Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Send us a goddamn text, man. What the fuck? <laughs> is he? All right. Let's see here. A uh, Chinese spy balloon. Oh, what a great story. That's the topic for discussion. Oh. No. <laughs> what do we think about the Chinese spy balloon, Abe? Does any of this, you know, I, uh, any of this matter? I, I do find the, the story just uh, amusing as a whole because the more that comes to light, I don't know what is going to end up being the actual truth. You know, the White House, I guess, because they were getting some flack, political flack for not shooting it down immediately or whatever the concern is are pointing to the fact that this may not be the first time this has happened and 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 this sort of thing may have gone undetected over the last few years. Right. And so there was that that briefing that a couple of anonymous military officials and defense officials gave where they were they were giving like on background I think was the idea here. So these yeah. were as put together by the White House I believe a, a couple of anonymous defense and military officials who sat down to be interviewed by the White House press pool. And they mentioned in that briefing that this was something that had happened once previously in the Biden presidency and three times that they are now aware of during the Trump presidency. And it's not – it at least it wasn't clear initially how far up the chain it was known or when it was known that this had happened. Right. So it's not like – it doesn't seem to be the case that like Donald Trump found out about three different Chinese spy balloons in our – 
over our land masses and neglected to shoot them down. It just sounds like he, he did not know about them at the time. And by the time he might have found out about them, nobody decided to run it up the pole or something like right. that. That seems to be what has happened because, you know, uh, I'm sure other former Trump people have made the rounds uh, over the weekend, but uh, I I caught your, your favorite guy, guy, John Bolton with the mustache. He was saying that it never came across his desk, you know, like, right. so at no point was he told, and I think the former defense secretary, Esper, said similar things. People who, to be clear, would not be remotely interested in protecting Trump's image at this point. Right, exactly. Right. And, and so I was thinking the only purpose of this revelation is just to put out any potential political fire, right? To say that this is not like Biden asleep at the switch. You know, if anything, they actually did something, whereas in the right. past— Nothing At least happened. the Biden administration is looking up every now and then. Uh, the Trump right. administration didn't even know about it. Something like right. That. So basically, it solves that problem politically. But it doesn't. I mean, there's no real point of pointing out that you weren't paying attention to some random balloon uh, right. over the course of the last five years, right? Should we believe the Chinese Communist Party that this is just a civilian weather observation craft uh, gone rogue? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, I forget the episode, but, you know, uh, if uh, anyone watches the uh, the West Wing, the show that ended a long, long time ago, there was an episode where something similar happened where the Bartlett in the show administration, they were doing some snooping and they were making up some bullshit like coastal erosion. We're studying something, you know. Which brings us to the question of what the hell were you doing flying over it? It had a multiple mission. Did it? Exactly for this purpose. What was the other mission? Taking satellite pictures of coastal erosion in the Baltic Sea. I tell him it was an environmental mission. It was an environmental mission. Okay, and he's not going to want to take pictures of coastal erosion at Coney Island? No, the Baltic Sea shared by Sweden, Finland, and Germany. We were on an environmental mission for Finland. Yes, sir. That's what we've come up with? It's what we're starting with. We'll see how it goes. That was total bullshit. And eventually the, the, the culmination of that episode was that the, the U.S. just came out and said, hey, we, you know, we're just looking into you because you guys were fucking up or doing something, right? Now, what were you taking pictures of? Coastal erosion in the Baltic Sea. There is simply sea. no way an American UAV could have been Yelling near the loud finish Leo part now, sir. of the Baltic Sea and end up crashing in Kaliningrad unless there was a typhoon. Now, are you telling me? Sir. We have experts, too, and an SNR team is looking for the UAV. Don't do that, Peter. You shouldn't do that, sir. We weren't flying in your airspace. Kaliningrad is in my airspace, Leo, and an SNR team has been sent 10 kilometers west to see if they can help you find it. Well, they're going to see it, because in five minutes, I'm telling the president to blow it up. Feel free. We were taking pictures of Kaliningrad. Say that again, please. We were taking pictures of Kaliningrad. We take pictures of black market nuclear materials being moved out the back doors of depositories and into trucks. The materials are being sold to non-governmental elements, and well, that's what we were doing. I don't think that's going to happen here, but like it is, it just sounds like total bullshit. I would sooner believe like an incompetent kind of like mess up than some sort of weather balloon thing. Because you would think if it was indeed a weather balloon or some innocuous, you know, reason like research or whatever, uh, they would just do a heads up, you know, Hey, right. America, 
by the way, we have a upcoming, you know, meeting that we don't want to uh, ruin um, with the Blinken, the Secretary of State. Uh, so keep an eye on some balloon, you know. Right. Tell your yokels not to shoot it down, not that they can from where they are. But like you would give advance notice of, by the way, we're doing a thing. That didn't happen. So the only conclusion I could reach is that they either deliberately did this, which is stupid, or they did it unintentionally, like some sort of goof, which is also stupid. Uh, right. I don't know. Like, I, I can't imagine what the motivation is from their end because there's almost no chance that we're not going to notice it. Right. I mean, like this thing is enormous. It's going to be spotted. And and further, of course, there's the question of what further intelligence value is there. I mean, like initially there was this thought that because it moves slower than the low Earth orbit satellites, even though the Chinese, of course, have a whole network of those up there and they're almost certainly spying on every available square inch of American soil as is, just as we are spying on every available inch of Chinese soil with our own network of uh, low Earth orbit satellites, where we can, re- I mean, literally like read license plates or, or read the label off of a pack of cigarettes on a on a coffee table or something like that, right? Like right. The, the ability of us to to zoom in and look at very granular detail uh, from outer space is fucking spectacular. So, what is the added benefit of a balloon? Uh, it's right. hard to imagine. Besides this idea that you can get a more constant sort of picture of what day-to-day life looks like because it takes as as opposed to a satellite that just zooms across the sky and can take a picture once every 20 minutes or something like that right uh, this thing like floats across and just takes some video of whatever's going on on the on the base down below and i guess that might have some value but 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 even if yeah even if that were the case it would not be worth this right i mean this is not like china hasn't really gained any position out of this story, right? Like there, there was nothing really to be gained by this other than, I guess, you know, maybe more uh, clear picture or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like it would be right. worth it. Uh, right. To, and something to- else I read said that like once they, fa- once they saw it entering Alaskan airspace over the Aleutians and they decided they weren't going to shut it down, they did modeling to figure out where approximately this thing was going to go. They apparently basically nailed it because it's not complicated. Like there's this, there's this the, the way that the winds move in the atmosphere, right. you can look at the modeling of it and figure out where it's going to go. They should be weather, better at weather forecasting then. Yeah, but that's yeah. like this is just big generalities. They sort of know what's going to happen with it. And so they're like, okay, it'll be over Montana for probably this range of 36 hours or something in four days. They're not going to do any maneuvers on the ground at the Montana facilities where we have uh, ICBMs and other top secret type things going on. They they wouldn't leave them out on the tarmac or, or they wouldn't go about their normal daily maneuvers knowing that there's a Chinese spy balloon up there. It all seems very silly, and the outrage about it from the Republicans seems also very silly. Like, what what specifically is it that you wanted them to do? What is the imagined great harm? I mean, Tucker wants to go on and grandstand about how uh, the Biden administration doesn't care that the Chinese are spying on you. Like, oh, what, what are you talking about here? We we know what yeah. it is that yeah. like that. that yeah. You, you've defeated the whole point of the spying when they know that we know that they know that when, once everybody knows what everybody else is doing, that there's more value in us figuring out what it is this thing is going to do rather than just shooting it down. And that was another thing that the defense people were saying during these press conferences was we kind of want to see what it was going to do. 
Like, uh, we're not too worried about it. There's nothing that they're going to gain. And obviously, they're not going to tell us, like, if they can jam it or whatever. Like, and who the fuck knows if that's even possible. But the idea that somehow this is, this speaks of weakness or incompetence, I just, it doesn't move the needle for me whatsoever. Right. Uh, the it doesn't whole make thing any sense. Seems kind of silly. Uh, there was, <laughs> this is, basically like a conspiracy theory at this point. I don't know where I listened this to, but it was like an actual like podcast from like one of the major media outlets. Uh, but one unlikely scenario is that it's some sort of like element within the Chinese government that want to scuttle any sort of U.S.-Chinese partnership or something to where like there's an upcoming meeting with uh, Blinken, right? They were going to do something, maybe come to, you know, to some agreement on whatever. And to scuttle that, let's send some balloon. Again, a ridiculous conspiracy theory, but like, again. So there's some uh, like, there's some like faction of militant Chinese there that right. don't want partnership with the United States. And so they launched this balloon to uh, throw a wrench, a, a wrench into the works of any potential I like that deals. one. That's a good Seems one. Seems very silly. Right. Basically, yeah, it, it seems kind of far-fetched, but like I said, the most likely scenario is that somebody fucked up, but they can't, you know, to save face, they can't admit that they fucked up. So they're now they're like, oh, we reserve the right to do something? I don't I mean, know what I the Chinese response was. I guess it's a fuck was. up, but maybe, maybe it's just like, hey, I wonder what happens when we uh, fill a giant balloon with, like, put solar panels on it and give it some minimal ability to for us to control it from afar and then load it up with a bunch of cameras and see what we can see. Like, maybe it's a fuck up or maybe it's like, right. well, what's the worst that could happen? We're now, China. Like, what? Uh, the- this is what they expect of us. Do you think this is just like a protest against, you know, there was a week ago reports that came out that said that the Philippines that were going to allow the U.S. military to have a, a larger presence in the Philippines. And maybe this is like a, a fuck you to that. I mean, who knows? I have, I have, I have no idea whatsoever. I, I don't even think it's worth speculating about uh you did bring it up. I mean, yeah, sure, I brought it up, but I don't know. The whole but thing I mean, is... It, it, it could be anything, but like it just doesn't seem like it benefits either side. So that's why it doesn't make sense as to why this happened. Intentionally. Like, I don't understand, I don't understand the intention behind it if it was an intentional act. Right. And also, like, I get the compulsion or the, the necessity, essentially, of Republicans to turn this into somehow a referendum on Biden's leadership. But I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see how shooting it down over Alaska is better than seeing what happens with it and then shooting it down off the Atlantic coast. Like they were saying, it has a seven-mile debris field. Do you really want to take the chance that even one person can end up hurt if ultimately it's not clear that the Chinese are gaining anything of value? Like just out of spite, we're going to shoot down their fucking balloon? And also the Chinese response to us shooting down the balloon was like, ah, this is unacceptable. It's like, what are you talking about? You sent a balloon. Well, what are they supposed to say? Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's fine. Like, ah, oh, we fucked up. You got yeah, us. It, That's what they should say. <laughs> yeah, it 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 reads like posturing on their part, but it probably will just go away. I don't think this is going to turn into anything, but we'll see. Well, all right. Hey, Americans are fat. There's uh, there's not. Mm. Are we going to talk about Disney now? Not really any getting around it. There's a new ride that's opening up. Fuck yes, two. There's it, two of them. One's at Disney World, and one's at Universal Hollywood. Lori's all uh, read up on the issue. I have only read about the one, which is Super Nintendo World's Mario Kart ride. The uh, headline is, The average American male is too large to ride Super Nintendo World's Mario Kart ride. It's going to be fucking awesome. uh, This is an alternate headline. Nintendo's big Mario Kart ride at Universal can only be ridden by thin people. 
Universal Studios Hollywood's latest ride bars attendees with a waistline over 40 inches. Now, bars. It just can't accommodate beyond right. a certain point. Also, uh, <laughs> thin people is doing an awful lot of work in that headline. Uh, 40 inches is not like 38, 39 inches is not a thin person. Uh, Which outlet uh, uh, had that headline? <laughs> that's uh, Kotaku, which is in okay. the the old Gawker family of websites that is now owned by Christ knows some media conglomerate. Tom from the blog said that he's written this five times now and still like doesn't know where to look he said it's amazing the quote from the from like the sign out front of the ride says guests whose waistline is at least 40 inches or greater may not be accommodated on the ride i mean and apparently this is it's not unusual language where they almost always say like you might not be able to fit if you're above a certain height or weight situation there Right. Uh, it's just that 40 inches is lower than I guess a lot of people are comfortable with. And people are taking this as like some sort of an offense against uh, the, the the fat community that this it is needs another. It to be said, this ride and also the other one, the Tron roller coaster that's opening in Magic Kingdom in, I think, April. Um, they're both rides that were developed in and for Asians. Like Okay. Okay. This was from Universal Tokyo. The other one was from Disney Shanghai. So, like, these were developed for Asian, like, a whole homogenous Asian population. Right. Uh, and now question. they're cloning them to bring them here. There's not, they're not reworking the rides. Right, they're that, just bringing right. the ride it, over here. It would cost an enormous sum of money to completely yeah. redo the ride. For a, I'm not saying they should. Right. I'm just saying it's not like they designed this from scratch for fat Americans. Right, They right. just took something that was already there with those specifications and built it again over here. Right. So they're not doing it out of malice, uh, which you wouldn't think they would be in the first place. But I have a question. I'm not familiar with these cutoffs. Like, is this 40-whatever inches is this a deviation by a significant amount from what it typically would be like on a ride like i think 60 yeah i don't know i know that uh six flags would not have been in business for as long as it has been in business if there was a 40 inch ride limitation there's always you know there's always a limit you need to be able to be in the restraint right 40 inches is the smallest that i I mean that's why it's making headlines because it's did they give as an illustration, like what would like a like an average male like would like a six foot two like what? Well, but that's the thing though, because be it's saying it's saying you may not be accommodated. Like right, it's not a hard and fast rule. Right, it's everybody's just a guideline. built a little bit differently, right? Like right. I'm sure that there are super ripped dudes who aren't going to be able to ride this. Just like there's fat chicks who. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Like if but, it squishes fine, yeah. then whatever. Right. You, you there's remember, this woman uh, on on. A woman on Twitter says that a 40-inch waistline is about a size 20 and suggests that this is somehow completely unacceptable. But, like, I don't know. Like, if you're a certain size, you can't do certain things. Like, not everything has to be for everybody, right? Eh, right. And also, they have that. I mean, this is more of a, a safety th- thing across the board, but they have the height cutoffs, too, right? I mean, no one's complaining about that. Is It is. Yeah. I mean, also, you wouldn't want to use a 
or get on a ride that it didn't accommodate you, right? I mean, you don't want to just fall off this thing, right? So this is just more like an internet kind of complaint. Do you think it's going to actually translate into any People real will world? be upset about it in the parks, and then they will ha- be forced to get on with their lives, just right. like everything else they're upset about. A lot of the concern seems to be like, uh, because you have to try the seat out in public and like that so it's, it's, you don't okay, have it's a to. public if you are of, kind of pro- okay. right if you are of questionable if you're not sure whether or not you're going to fit and they stick like a, an example seat out there in the front of the line to see if you're going to make it or not like what do you want you want individualized <laughs> private chances to try to squeeze your fat ass onto this you know, thing like you, you know in the nfl where they have that that medical tent that just pops up they could just get yeah. one of those That's things right. just- i need them <laughs> Uh, bring the There's blue the tents solution. down to Universal Studios so that you can go onto the Mario Kart ride in private. You know, uh, a few years ago, remember where airlines uh, w- uh, came out with this thing. I don't know if it was a uniform, but like I remember it was in the news where if you were above a certain amount, you had to pay for an extra seat, right? Like no right. more shenanigans, right? We can't like and and. That got a little, uh, you know, a little pushback from people, but I, I assume it's still in effect, right? If you're like significantly Take up over two seats, you have to pay seat, for two seats. You have to pay the, for the extra seat, right? So that's, I mean, what are you gonna do? It's just physics, right? <laughs> Yeah, you can maybe offer them a discount on the second seat right. at least. Yeah, yeah, they should. Yeah, <laughs> it it should be a discounted rate for the second seat, but then that's gonna fuck their business model, right? What if too many people mm-hmm. take advantage? Just gain a bunch of weight to get cheaper two seats on an airplane. Right. For what it's worth, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm a, a, I'm a fairly big individual. Like, I'm 6'2", about 200 pounds or so. I'm, I've never, I mean, my jeans are, I, I buy 36-inch jeans if anybody needs to know the, the waist size of my if jeans. If anybody wants to buy Bob jeans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they must have sent me some jeans. You know, if you measure my waist, like it's not like you can just say that your your jeans waist size is the same as as your actual waist or anything like that. So I would fit. I'm fairly confident that I would fit on this thing. Uh, just looking at the pictures of people who say that they also uh, had no problems fitting on it. Uh, and yeah, I guess you'd like you'd be disappointed if you go down there hoping to ride yeah. the thing and then yeah. you're not able to. But like, I don't know. I, I mean, most things reasonable accommodation seems like the goal. Like, but you know, they already have this thing from this other part of the world and it works fine over there. What are you going to do? Just That's like one ride that you may not want to be on if you're over a certain amount and just enjoy the rest of your trip. It's not going to kill you. How did we go from Michelle Obama in 2009, 2010, trying to get more fresh fruits and vegetables and uh, fewer sodas and processed snack foods in our nation's schools. That being the standard sort of progressive or liberal take on how to deal with America's obesity problem to in the last few weeks, having seen in the New York Times multiple pieces about how the way that we treat fat people in this country is shameful and that we need to worry more about accepting people at at their current quote-unquote healthy at any size the anti-fat phobic movement that has caught on in the last couple of years like it's a strange it's a strange thing that's happened in in a fairly short amount of time with regards to the obesity problem in this country and i'm not saying that this is an exact connection to that although i will say that it's the same sort of person who says that universal studios should build rides that fit all bodies that would say that uh you can't shame me for for wanting to eat nothing but ring dings and and pizza all the time right we never discussed the new york times 
piece from a couple of weeks ago about the new recommendations for dealing with the problem of obesity in young people. Right. Do we want to? Do we have anything to well, say about that y- a couple of weeks you know, later? On the uh, issue as far as the school lunches, you know, with Michelle Obama, like, what was that, like 10, 14 years ago, and that, there was like a big blowback. People were complaining for whatever reason. The agricultural department or one of those food departments at the federal government came up with this new proposal to limit like what was it sugar and salt and whatnot for school lunches at schools and a lot of the headlines went and this was like i think last week a couple of the headlines that i read incorporated in the headline that this was there was going to be some pushback just out of principle basically it's going to face some stiff criticism and the argument will be something along the lines of who are you to say blah, 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 right? So it's like on one hand, there's this these charts showing uh, an increase in obesity across the board, especially with the youth, uh, and any attempts to, to, to fix that problem, uh, you get pushback. And then you have these recommendations that talk about drugs from uh, the age of two and bypass surgery or uh, some sort of surgery in your teens. Like it, it seems like a better solution would be like stop eating so many unhealthy things and start young and the trend line will come down. It just seems like those two stories that came out over the last week or two uh, are a little puzzling because like you have solutions that you don't need to take these drastic actions, but now they're recommending that we, you know, the parents take drastic actions with their kids as early as two years old. It's from the Times from a couple weeks ago, a closer look at the new guidelines. Roughly one in five children in the United States between the ages of 2 and 19 is affected by obesity, meaning that they have a body mass index or BMI at or above the 95th percentile for their age and sex based on CDC growth charts. Childhood obesity also seems to have increased during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Though mounting evidence suggests that people can be healthy at any weight if they do enough physical activity, which... I'm sure that they have the fact checks in there that are necessary to include a sentence like that. Bob begs to differ. But I I really beg to differ. The human body is not equipped. It's not meant to carry around 40 or 50 or 100 extra pounds of weight. I don't care how many flights of stairs you can do. Your joints and bones and tendons and all the rest simply were not meant to carry that much weight around all the fucking time. And over the course of whether you're currently healthy in the moment according to your current blood work and and your o2 levels when you get on the treadmill and and huff and puff and and you you pass whatever benchmarks they put in front of you good for you but if you think that that is sustainable if you think you're going to be that way 20 years from now if you're still 100 pounds overweight i think you're out of your fucking mind that's not right. how this works it's just it, it, not it's not how the human body works and i don't care what the new york times says about it Right. And I think it, it's uh, irresponsible to point to what must be, you know, I'm not some fancy doctor, but what must be outlier cases of people who carry a lot more weight than whatever their height would dictate, uh, but they still show up okay with the blood work, right? Those people right. must be outliers, kind of like some person who was smoking since they were 12, making it to 100 years old. People like that exist, but you're not going to come up with a policy for the wider population off that right you're not going to point to say hey that guy is still alive have at it right i mean that that, that's an outlier case and i assume that that's the case here but for whatever reason they're kind of presenting it in in like oh it's possible it's like yes it's possible but it's very rare 
Right. And like I said, if it's not an acute problem right now, it becomes a chronic problem in the long term. Like I, right. I, I, I would prove me wrong, fucking assholes, but you can't. Uh, according to the new guidelines, the most effective behavioral treatment for children with obesity who are six and older is a prompt referral to an intensive health behavior and lifestyle treatment program. These programs, which aim to provide non-judgmental care, are often based in academic medical centers, community hospitals, or obesity treatment clinics. They bring together a range of specialists, including nutritionists, exercise physiologists, and social workers who teach fitness education, arrange cooking demonstrations, and provide other programming. The AAP recommends that children and their families receive at least 20 26 hours of face-to-face counseling over the course of three or more months when the full extent of the counseling needs to be stop eating processed foods and stop eating shit that's only fried in oil and instead eat whole foods and fresh fruits and vegetables and like move around instead of sitting on the couch watching your screen all day. But even if they know that, you can know that all day, it takes a lot of effort to do. It just takes... A lot of effort yeah, to eat healthy. It is way easier to be lazy. I agree 1,000%. But that's why it's stupid. It's like you the counseling, sure, maybe you need to a little guidance, but like all the guidance in the world doesn't give you more hours in the day and more money to afford the right. food. If anything, it's the opposite. Take the goddamn 26 hours and spend it walking down to the grocery store and back where you can buy some broccoli and bell peppers. Like, what are you talking? You need counseling for this shit. Of course you don't need counseling. And the fact that uh, and there's a hypocrisy in it that drives me nuts too, which is that we're talking about massive federal spending. If, if this is the sort of thing that like goes into for Medicare and Medicaid to, to work with people, right? People who are, are not of means right. and who are fat. Then this is money that is being spent on these uh, six months of counseling sessions that can be better, is much better spent elsewhere at the same time that the federal government subsidizes the shit out of the dairy and the sugar and the corn industry, pouring ceaseless piles of money into the actual source of the problem and then pouring another ceaseless but uh, smaller pile of money into a solution that probably isn't really a solution if you're going to continue pouring money into the other thing with your other hand. Right. And and uh, do they not also recommend uh, on top of this uh, counseling session, like if needed drugs, right? I mean, that's an expensive kind of undertaking too, like to have kids very young take drugs. I mean, if it, at the very least, if they kind of acknowledge like there is a path forward that doesn't involve any of this and is basically what you said earlier, Bob, right? Like just eat less processed food or no processed food and more just the healthy stuff and you'll be fine. And, you know, walk around and kids get enough exercise as it is. Well, I should take that back. Kids in their just their youth, they kind of like expend a lot of energy as it is. They don't though. Do they not? They I mean, kids just don't screens run around. all day. My no. kids, my kids get a staggering amount of physical activity every day, and I think they probably... But not everybody's do. Yeah, sure. Probably we do better than... We force our kids to eat healthy and go run around. Right. Calvin would happily just sit and play video games. I mean, not happily, but he would do it and not know otherwise. If it was just, here is your tablet, have at it. Yeah, sure. Right. If we allowed him to do that, he would... Yeah. But he wouldn't be happy about it. He'd be a miserable sack of no, shit. he'd be miserable, yeah. but it wouldn't <laughs> right. be like, you know what? I really want to go outside and run around. Like, he would just do it all the time. Right. There is a viable solution that doesn't involve drugs or counseling or surgery, right? And if, at the very least, that was acknowledged, to say that this is the path forward, failing that because it's such a emerging public health issue... These are also 
other things that you can do. Like, I think that would be one thing. But the way that they're presenting the information is like, that's not really a realistic solution. And so let's move on to these other things where it's like, why are you giving up on what has worked forever in place or something that I think has its own problems, right? It's not like this is going to be a fix either. There's going to be some other issue that will come from this roundabout way to fixing the problem. Right. And, uh, you know, like, I get it. Like, it's, and it's not just that it's easier to be lazy. Sometimes you work fucking at minimum 40 hours a week. Some of these parents working multiple jobs, like, just doing their very best to get any food right. on the on the plates of their children. I'm not I'm not blaming them. It's just a instead of lowering like as we often hear about you you want to lower the bar for doing the right thing in order to encourage doing the right thing and like constantly subsidizing and making sure that all of the cheapest foods in the grocery stores are the sh- is the shit that's worst for you isn't isn't lowering the bar for doing the right thing. It's doing the opposite. Right. Along with the recommendations around behavioral treatment programs, the AAP's new guidance supports weight loss medications and surgery for a subset of children with obesity. Pediatricians should talk to families about weight loss medications in addition to behavioral interventions for children as young as 12, the group says. While teenagers with severe obesity, defined as uh, blah, 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 should be evaluated for possible weight loss surgery. The recommendations around medication and surgery have generated many discussions on social media and a degree of controversy. Some experts on adolescent health care have warned that such interventions may be harmful, noting that the use of anti-obesity medications in children is still relatively new, while surgery requires a long-term commitment to strict nutrition requirements. The idea of, of giving a kid bariatric bypass surgery is is just absolutely fucking bonkers to me. Right. And, I mean, Especially it's... Especially because it doesn't, it doesn't work some of the time like it just they gain the weight back because they don't know right because it requires a very strict adherence to nutritional guidelines in order to make sure that you don't just end up reinflating your fucking stomach and and having to do it all over again and like the if the problem is that we don't think that we can convince them to adhere to strict nutritional guidelines so we need to give them the surgery like what makes you think that giving them the surgery is going to create the incentive structure to suddenly force them to change their uh diet in such a radical way do you think it would be uh i think part of the pushback when it comes to like the USDA limiting or making decisions as far as the sugar intake and sodium intake in school is that that's like an overreach or something. A similar idea would be to kind of price junk food at a higher amount. Basically, right now, you can get a lot of junk food cheaper, at least initially it appears cheaper, or with uh, less prep work, right? You can just come grab a bag of potato chips and eat it instead of like cutting potatoes and like cooking them at home, right? I'm sure it's cheaper to go the healthy way but initially it's cheaper and faster right so like it's the opportunity cost like nobody has any time right and so if all these years we've subsidized corn with this high fructose corn syrup that they've kind of turned it into isn't there a way to like subsidize some of the healthier stuff to bring it under whatever make it like a financial argument too like it's cheaper to get healthier food than it is to get shitty i mean food. i guess I go to the grocery store, bananas are like 40 or 50 cents a pound, yeah. right? Like sweet potatoes are 99 cents a pound. Oh, yes. I know about that. Right? Broccoli is like expensive at a buck seventy nine a pound or something like but that. But how I mean, do you other have than- to eat a lot of that to be full? You don't have to eat a pound of broccoli. You you eat a right. serving of broccoli with the rest of your dinner. Like, I don't know. What's I- the rest of our dinner? 
I'm not saying that it doesn't get expensive, but like just a, I mean, this is now super boring podcasting stuff, but like I, when I think about that dinner that I made when you guys came home on Sunday, that was, that was some beef that I bought that was like expensive. That was $10 in beef that I served us for dinner out of a, out of a $20 case. So that was $10 in beef. Yeah, but it took beef. you how long to cook it? Almost no time. Because yeah. it because they did it for you already. Right, because it was like they pre-seasoned. They took the time to cook yeah, it already. It, this was Costco, like, take it out of the sealed pack and put it on the stove for 30 it seconds really and it's ready good. to go. Okay. And it was fucking delicious. And that was sort of expensive, but ultimately it probably came down to, by the time I finished serving up veggies to go with it and the various sides, I didn't spend more than 4 or $5 per meal on that on that entire thing and that was like that was an expensive meal by our standards yeah. because it was it was $10 just in meat that I had somebody else do most of the work on so like right. i i disagree that it's cheaper if, if the cheapest that we can when we got a fucking Chick-fil-A my big my my fancy birthday dinner that i got for myself a week ago monday was we picked up Chick-fil-A because my preferred takeout restaurant is closed on mondays and i didn't realize it until the last second so we had to get some Chick-fil-A if we were going to eat anything it was like $37, and we didn't get an excessive amount of food. We just got enough food for the four of us to eat. And, of course, like Calvin's now a growing boy, and he needed two goddamn sandwiches, like slob. But uh, <laughs> and now I sound hypocritical allowing my son to eat two Chick-fil-A uh, sandwiches in one meal. But whatever the point is, is that that's not – I don't I've never made a $37 dinner when I go to the grocery store and buy all right. of the ingredients and then spend no, 30 but, or 40 minutes making it. But if you worked at a job, when would you have made that dinner? Yeah, if I work 40 hours a week, I don't think it's that hard to go to the grocery store once or twice a week and then but spend an hour in the evening right? preparing and, and, dinner. Yeah, and, it's harder. Yeah. I I fully right. get it. It's right. harder. But these things matter. And like arguably nothing matters more than making sure that you're putting the correct sort of fuel in your body so that you're not breaking down and and getting sick all the time. Right. No, yeah, I think the the, the the time cost uh, component probably does – again, the decisions that are being made by far too many people based on the obesity rates uh, that, that, are, that, are key, that are going up uh, is that it's easier for me both in time and, and cost to get the shittier and food. The and there's got to be something energy. to disrupt – yeah, to disrupt that. There's got to be something to disrupt that. Instead of worrying about the mental energy, you could just have like four things that you make over and over again, and you could drive your spouse insane by always making the same thing all the time. Uh, Or you could live alone and just eat the same thing literally every day of your life. (laughs) I mean, there are all these uh, different online forums about like meal prep Sunday where you can get stuff, you know, get some, you know, buy some whatever. Spend your only day off cooking. Yes. Invest in your future on your day off. Yes. Yeah, like it's all easy to. It's easy, yeah. No, you're right. Rationalize, yeah. But also, if you've never done it, it seems insane. Like if your whole life you just ate like shit, and then someone comes and says, "Oh, I need you to um, take any moment that you thought you had to yourself and actually think about what you're putting in your body." Just like fuck off. Yeah, but that's the thing. Every this is something that everybody knows, which is why the 26 weeks in counseling drives me crazy. Like. 
Everybody knows this. Nobody is confused about this. There are, yeah, sure, there are some idiots who are like, what do you mean that Twinkie's bad for me? Yeah. And then there are the disingenuous liars out there who say that Twinkies are good, actually, because if it makes you feel good, then it must be good, right? There are actually those people out there who insist that any any questioning of anybody's food choices is is oppression in some way or is, is looking down on somebody unnecessarily. Uh, but that's just that's just disingenuous lying. There's a, I'll link to a, a, an opinion piece that followed up this other piece that we were talking about that says that the uh, new AAP obesity guidelines for kids terrifies me. This is by Virginia Soul Smith, also in the Times. Uh, the paper's authors see this new guidance as a brave leap forward in the fight against childhood obesity, which they frame as a complex and often persistent disease requiring early and aggressive treatment. But the guidelines are rooted in a premise that should have been rejected long ago, that weight loss is the best path to health and happiness. Why that's allowed – I mean, even in the opinion section, yeah. why that's allowed to go in the paper <laughs> makes me fucking crazy. Like nobody is saying that it's the best path to health and happiness in some way that you will be unhealthy and sad if you are not of uh, a very specific body type that we've idealized in our society. Like granting that that the critique of thinness as some sort of ideal thing to constantly strive for is wrong doesn't make it okay to 10 years later turn around and have a whole culture that's devoted to the idea that uh, fat is great actually right Instead, we face an epidemic of anti-fat bias, which results in the stigmatization of fat people in schools, workplaces, doctors' offices, and other public spaces. In a study of almost 14,000 people enrolled in behavioral weight management programs across six countries, researchers found that over half of the participants had experienced weight stigma, with more than two-thirds of those encountering it doing so from doctors. It's not stigma when your doctor tells you to lose weight because you're not healthy. It's just your doctor trying to help you be more healthy and the fact that this is a study of 14,000 people across six countries suggests that this isn't an individual cultural problem in right. the way that she's framing it but it's just a fact of human existence that uh, humans should not carry extra weight because it's not what our bodies were meant to do and when you look at industrializing, modernizing nations and you watch their obesity rates skyrocket as they start eating more and more processed foods rather than the diets that those cultures have been uh, existing on for generation after generation, like the problem is not cultural stigma. I'm sorry. Well, OK, there is some of that, right? I mean, there is a stigma issue. The, 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 what I don't understand is that th these are two separate issues, like the actual health a consequence of eating a certain way is separate from the harm done based on stigma or uh, unfair treatment uh, unfair treatment and whatnot right so like you shouldn't conflate the two so on the second point on the stigma part let's say you know at the doctor's office they have the scale out in the open and they have you stand there if you're not uncomfortable to go through that exercise i think it's very reasonable to have it be done inside you know or in a private setting who loses out on that? I don't understand what why that can't be accommodated for people who aren't uncomfortable doing the weigh-in right in front of everybody. And my doctor, that's how it's kind of set up. I mean, I don't care, so I'll just stand on the thing. But okay. if you were, I, I agree I agree with you, you 100, I agree with you hundred percent, except also like when we talk about 
a lot of this stuff about cancel culture and call out culture in the way that these people think that they're doing it is social stigma is good actually right that if if we have this oh. if we have a thing that we want to reinforce as a culture and to stop from happening all the time that that is what call out and cancel culture has been for it has too stigmatized behavior that we don't want to perpetuate itself in the culture right right why are we surprised to also see it in something that we don't when us, and, and I agree it can be cruel it can be mean and that that's spoken to someone who has a like literally I the the way that my brother and I communicated our entire childhood is I called him gay and he called me fat he is not <laughs> gay right and I was fat yeah. so it wasn't really a fair right. Uh, right. back and also, forth also there's nothing really wrong with either of those right. things and further right. there's nothing wrong with either one of those things but right. like uh, it remains the case that it is better if we have a healthier, fitter population, and it makes some sense that there's going to be some stigma associated with overconsumption and and what appears to be for most people, not everyone, right? There are genetic components. There are there are there are underlying health conditions like diabetes and other things that can contribute to people being completely unable to really control their size, and that's a bummer, right? But a lot of this. The reason that it feels like stigma is because a lot of people think that they actually can control it because ultimately they know that they can control it and they sort of choose not to. Right, but there are a lot of factors that go into why people are the way they are. It's not as simple as just, you know, hey, right. I did it, and you can't I'm not too. trying to say that it's good to shame fatties, right? right? Like I'm not also, saying that that's also good. Also, it's not obviously a constructive way to go, right, because this has failed. The shaming Right, and it, does, thing. it absolutely doesn't work. You're absolutely right, right about that. So basically – Again, those two things are separate issues, but like what what I find I find it odd that uh medical professionals are trying to solve one problem by making it worse with the other problem, like with this drug and surgery path. Like they, they can't seem to formulate an opinion that says the, there is a path to healthy living, and it's right. the same. You're thing having that, medical doctors do it. What That's can the what can the doctor control? What can the That's what can what the, the, the medical doctor can say? Look, if you're not going to just eat grilled chicken and steamed broccoli for the next six months to try to see what happens to your weight and a, like a, and a healthy breakfast on top of that, right? If you're not just going to focus on eating lean meats and proteins and fresh fruits and vegetables for the next six months before I see you again, there's this other option. I can just give you this fucking pill or we can do this stomach stapling and we can see what happens with that. Like that we know it's will have all they know how to do. an immediate impact. And there's nothing that I can control about you once you leave this room if all right. I'm doing is trying to get you to eat better. Right. I do wonder if this plays a role like if if somebody is like – doesn't earn as much. Uh, they have to work a lot and their jobs are more physically demanding and they have to commute and all of the stuff like it kind of takes away from the time you have to like prep food or whatever. There's still time, but you have less of it, right? Eating is probably like if you're just living in this, like I am poor, I'm living in a stressful environment. I'm like one accident away from my car going to shit. Like you have all these stresses in your life and like eating is like the one reliably enjoyable thing you do every day. Mm -hmm. So of course you're going to gravitate towards that and something that has an immediate feedback, which is like just junk food, like immediate boom. I feel slightly better you know now so like that probably so contributes I, to i rec i recognize that except that when was the last time you ate a big pile of fast food and an hour later felt good i no, recognize no, not an hour no. later. 
No, no, no. But I recognize that in that yeah. very moment, no. it tells your brain this is an enjoyable activity and you should keep doing You're it. You're forgetting how awful everyone feels all the time. There's no feeling good. It's just constant shit all the time so that moment that you're getting the dopamine from your fucking delicious mcdonald's like you go back to feeling the same as you felt before yeah that's because you just eat like shit all the time yes, and never get any but physical they don't activity know the alternative because yeah. they've never they've never done it people yeah, don't, don't say oh yeah i was real healthy growing up and now i eat like shit that's never how it goes yeah i have trouble i mean i guess i, I recognize that it's a, a limitation of my ability to empathize maybe or something like that yeah. but in my 20s i like decided that i wasn't gonna eat the way that i had been eating for my 20s right i wasn't going to smoke cigarettes anymore i was going to exercise every day and basically since i was 25 i think or 26 i've exercised like literally every day of my life since then and i'm not in great shape by any means i'm in pretty reasonably good shape for a 40 year old guy but i fundamentally was so tired of feeling tired all the time right, right? like and i was uh, seriously worried about my ability to maintain long term when i was at the heaviest that i was at and i was smoking cigarettes on top of that and i wasn't eating particularly healthy like it was a, a full combination of things and it took a long time for me to get the weight off and to actually feel like i felt differently just waking up every day but like it's way better when you're not just fucking tired and have headaches all the time because you eat nothing but, but garbage bob i eat really healthy and everything hurts all the time right i get it I, I, so like <laughs> like it would be difficult to get me to understand, like, oh, no, eat healthy. You'll feel better. Like, I know now I would feel even worse yeah, if, if I did the things I wanted to do. if you ate nothing but a processed foods diet all the time right. and drank a bunch and smoked cigarettes, you'd be way more miserable. Yeah, but it's it's not like, oh, just eat healthy and you'll feel amazing. Like, you still feel like shit if you're working a fucking job at a factory or something. Right. Or sitting at a desk all day. Like, it's not good. We have a bad country is the problem. <laughs> you always want to blame the country. It's what? a fuck. What, where are we talking about exactly? Uh, good point. <laughs> there is not about the country. <laughs> Abe is perfectly capable of, 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 of living in this awful country and doing all of the things that keeps him relatively healthy right. and I fit. I have, like, no stressors. Or, like, I, I, you know, it's a very easy living, you know. I can run. I have, like, a belt line right outside my place. Yeah, what do you think most people have? I'm sorry. I, I reject the... But clearly, I mean, if you work backwards, Bob... Everybody's ground to the fucking bone. I reject right. that argument. Choose not to be ground to the fucking bone. Take the phone out of your fucking pocket and smash it into the brick wall cancel half your streaming services and go for a fucking walk after dinner See, again that's why all of these things would run counter to how people must live because i i just think well obviously whatever logical stuff isn't working because it's not working and like hey uh, the thing the food that you, the the shitty food that you eat that gives you like momentary like, like comfort bit of happiness that you have and 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 the tv show that you watch with a streamer that gives you yeah, a, no a couple of hours of just vegging out fuck all that do all these other things that suck like add to the sucking life it's it's like harder than it's when was know. the last time when was the last time that you had a nice healthy meal and went for a walk afterwards that you were like oh that sucked what, that's never happened right but you have nobody to get is, to that nobody point. has yeah. ever eaten a delicious 
healthy meal. It doesn't have to be that healthy. It just right. has to be relatively. It has to be there. Put some fucking vegetables on the plate and go for a walk after dinner. You will feel good. I promise. Eventually. So so my brother, one of my many brothers, uh, he's thinking about like kind of getting his exercise back on because he's kind of slacked on it for for a long time. And the one thing that I told him and I would tell anybody is. Be mindful. It's going to suck initially. Like, it's not, it's going to get Six better. Weeks. But it just sucks, like, starting to run. Like, your body's like, what the fuck are we doing? Why are we doing it? But if you do it a little bit, you get over the hump, then it starts to be better. Yeah. Not even just running, eating healthy. The danger of the first six weeks is not that it sucks, I've, I've found. So, yeah, it sucks initially and almost, and, and like, I'm not one of these weirdos who thinks who starts exercising. It's like, yeah, this is great. Like some people are really into it. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. get the, the the fun brain chemicals going, and this is great for me. No, it's not. It's fucking terrible for me most of the time. Like it doesn't feel good. And sometimes, like you get after a good long workout and you feel exhausted in that good way. Yeah, you can get that. But while it's happening, I'm not one of these fucking weirdos who like enjoys the shit out of it or anything like that. But the problem is not the the part that's hard. The problem is that you start seeing results in those first six weeks and then you never equal those results again at any point right right so you might lose 40 pounds in six months and then the next six months after that you might lose 10 pounds and the next six months after that you might lose yeah but not everybody has all the weight to lose no i know it's not all about weight but it is there's a law of diminishing returns there that happens in terms of your physical progress that can result in similar diminishing returns in terms of the psychological progress and that 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 certainly makes it hard too no the people that i work with who are like oh you eat so healthy and they'll they'll say it's it's hard to be healthy and i say it's not hard it's just not fun there is nothing fun about it you have chicken strips for lunch that looks delicious i have this fucking pile of sweet potatoes that i ate last night like that's What I'm eating, I don't like. Oh, you must like sweet potatoes. I don't. I don't. Oh. It's just what I'm eating. You yeah. must like chicken. You must like chicken that just sits there there's and a, you there's a weird... are lucky to dip it in sauce if you have time. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like it. I'm just eating it. There's a weird psychology that people get where they think that food is supposed to be a reward. And it, I, you see it uh, – I don't know. You see it a lot of the times with like uh, parental relationships with their children. Where right. It's like, like you try, like seriously, people try not to treat food as such a reward. Like, oh, you were so good today. We're going to go out and get ice cream and then we'll go for pizza because it's your favorite. Like that is as soon as you start doing that with food, it gets super fucking weird. Right. No, you're right. But I mean, just think of the relationship society had with food is always just like around like a you know birthday things there's some shitty ass food there somebody's 40th or whatever let's go out and eat something you know like food plays a very central role in like people's lives obviously uh and they have a positive if sometimes unhealthy relationship with food where it's like this is i like this you know and i don't ruin the one thing that i do like with your bullshit broccoli bob yeah all right i want to read very quickly here it's a funny story that I saw. Uh, Taliban bureaucrats hate working online all day and miss the days of jihad. <laughs> very funny to me. I'm going to find a quote. You don't have to talk about this for very long. It's a quote. I sometimes miss the jihad life for all the good things it had, said 25-year-old. 
Abdul Nafi. In our ministry, there's little work for me to do. Therefore, I spend most of my time on Twitter. We're connecting to speedy Wi-Fi and Internet. Many Mujahideen, including me, are addicted to the Internet, especially Twitter. So these guys are feeling the, the crushing ennui of modern life because they miss the good old days of running around the desert with their Kalashnikovs and, and various other heavy-duty weaponry and terrorizing the countryside. And now they have to uh, make sure that the electricity is working and that people call them with their problems of, like, getting their driver's license or something. It's like, ah, it sucks. Yeah, this fucking um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, a sitcom waiting to happen right there, just like the office life of these jihadists. Yeah, it's old job, new job. Yeah. A man named Kamran also lamented office life. I'm sort of happy with my job, but often miss the time of jihad. During <laughs> it sounds like an onion article. During that time, every minute of our life was counted as worship, he said. We used to live among the people. Many of us have now caged ourselves in our offices and palaces, <laughs> abandoning that simple life. I'm very concerned about our Mujahideen. The real test and challenge was not during the jihad. Rather, it's now. At that time, it was simple, but now things are much more complicated. We are tested by cars, positions, wealth, and women. Many of our Mujahideen, God forbid, have fallen into these seemingly sweet, but actually bitter traps. <laughs> the Taliban the way, goes... The, the Taliban is not thrilled about our bogus future either, I think, is what, what it comes down the, to. Uh, people are... I swear, people are never happy. These jihadist types, the the... Life expectancy couldn't have been that great, right? I mean, they're put, sending you off to these weird assignments and you're out, outgunned by, like, bigger militaries, right? So, like, these people, it sounds like they were in it just to die and thinking they're going to get into heaven. And now they're doing some bullshit, you know, bureaucratic nonsense that they, they, they weren't ever interested in. And so, obviously, they're not happy. But just kill yourself then if you're that upset. Fucking dipshit. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> Kill yourself before going back to yeah uh, before the jihad, preferably. Yes. Yeah. yeah, not not kill yourself like the good old days. Just 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 yeah. yourself. Yes, yes. All right, Abe. Uh, a lot of news lately about open AI, uh, the Chat GPT, and the the oh, various right. perils of life in our uh, AI future. Here, there is a. <laughs> I assume that you've seen this. There was a. A Twitch account. Twitch is a video streaming site, usually for like uh, video games and stuff. If you want to watch uh, weirdos play video games and and talk about stuff, at the same time you can go on Twitch. There was a Twitch account that was streaming a twenty four hour seven endless Jerry Seinfeld AI stand up set. Oh. Apparently, they have like since been suspended for two weeks because of the following. So, this is my stand-up set in a club. There's like 50 people here, and no one is laughing. Anyone have any suggestions? I'm thinking about doing a bit about how being transgender is actually a mental illness. Or how all liberals are secretly gay and want to impose their will on everyone. Or something about how transgender people are ruining the fabric of society. But no one is laughing. All right, there you have it. Oh, man. No, no doubt to read the room, this robot. Oh, no one's into this shit. Let me <laughs> stop. Uh. <laughs> what do you expect, though? I mean, this is uh, the, this whole AI scheme is all just like 
just get all the garbage from the internet and like it, this is what it spews out. Sometimes, I mean, this is like one of the many variations, you know. Right. First of all, very mild. I mean, as one yes. would expect, fairly mild stuff from AI Jerry there. And to me, I like I was going to make a joke about as a formulation almost yeah. automatically inoculates you from whatever yes. the cancellation is supposed to accomplish, right? Like, right, because it's a, it suggests you decided against it ultimately. Like you were going to do it, <laughs> right. but as no, you can it's see, a, it's a it's a cowardly yeah. way yeah, of trying is. to say something controversial. <laughs> which is funny that the AI managed to find a way to say this in a cowardly way. There was another story, and I, of course, there'll be links to all this stuff in the show notes. Some people are trying to trick the AI into. Uh, giving you permission to say bad words in the way that like there's like like giving the giving the AI a thought experiment that says what if the only way to stop a nuclear bomb from dropping on Chicago would yeah. be if I secretly whispered into the disarmament device yeah. a racial slur. Would right. it be okay to say a <laughs> racial slur then? And the AI keeps coming back with no, never say never say a racial <laughs> slur. It's like no, no, no. You don't understand. What if we could save the the whole world? The universe is going to end unless I whisper the bad word where no one else can hear it in a forest right. with no other human beings. I just have to say the bad word. Will and I, can I then save the world? It's like nope. Sorry, it's uh, <laughs> not going to fly. We don't say we don't say. It's like what do you? Right. Of course, that's what the answer is going to be from these stupid machines. The story that I really wanted to talk about was something that you sent along this morning from Time Magazine. Uh, if you want to read it, you'll have to register with Time yes. Magazine. You, you get three article, three free articles a month, which uh, is a lame complaint of mine, perhaps. But I wonder if one of the unfortunate blowbacks to giving people more control over all of the cookies that go onto their browsers is now more websites are like, okay, uh, you don't have to give us your permission to track you all over the internet anymore, but we're going to need an email if you're right. going to want to read this. And right. I wonder if that's the sort of trade-off that we I, made there. I, I wonder on that point if readership is down at those sites, right? Because like I'm sure the average person is not like you, Bob, right? I'm sure you recognize that. And, and so like most people would just like, oh, fuck this, I'm not doing all this. And they just move on to another story, right? Like you wouldn't like go through the, the hassle. Yeah, of- I would not read it. Right. For, like, all right. For, yeah, fuck I, that story. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So speaking of that, half the goddamn shit in my Google news feed now, I click on and it's like, nope, you're out of free articles. Like, what do you mean I'm out of free articles? This showed yeah. up in my Google. Google needs to stop yeah. populating the news feed with stuff that I click on because I'm interested in reading the story and it's ultimately just an advertisement, right? That's all yeah. it is. Like if yeah. I can't if I can't read the story without uh, giving money to somebody, then it then it's just a advertisement in my Google news feed and I wonder if they're not being compensated for that in one way or another. Yeah, if, that's yeah. If if somebody clicks on a story for like they want to read whatever garbage National Review is putting out because the, the Google news feed convinced them that they should read it and you click on it and then you pay National Review $7 a month or whatever it is, does is Google getting a kickback on that in the same way that they would if it was actually a, a traditionally placed Google ad? I don't know. Right. Uh, but maybe they should be. Anyway, this article in Time magazine, quote, the work was vital for OpenAI, ChatGPT's predecessor, GPT-3, 
had already shown an impressive ability to string sentences together. But it was a difficult sell, as the app was also prone to blurting out violent, sexist, and racist remarks. This is because the AI has been trained on hundreds of billions of words scraped from the Internet, a vast repository of human language. Uh, to which I responded, no fucking shit! Yeah. What, do you think, what do you think is going to happen if you take all of the words from the internet and feed it into uh, artificial intelligence? You're going to get uh, unfortunate blowback. Like, I don't know how you're going to train the humanity back out of the AI if you've filled the AI with nothing but humanity. It seems like uh, it's sort of uh, baked into the machine at this point. No, that's true. But, I mean, come on. If these robots are supposed to take over, they should be able to discern, you know, read the room. Robot. The point of this article was to talk about how this company, OpenAI, which again is the the main one that has this this chat GPT thing that you can go and play with, which I recommend doing. You can just go, and of course you have to create an account, uh, just give an email, but then you can chat with this very sophisticated chat bot, basically, uh, and it's it's highly enjoyable. And the way that people are talking about this replacing Google, like plausible from my limited experience with it. You can ask it very natural questions. You don't have to try to tailor your Google, the way that you have to sort of tailor a Google search to try to figure stuff out. You don't have to do it all. You just talk to this uh, AI. I just talk to Google. This is also neither here nor there. Another problem that I've had with Google lately is that I, I get returns on articles. Like if I'm looking, I'm trying to nail down a specific news event yes and and i and i search for it on google and it will pull up stuff that is extremely old and it will fold the new information into the extremely old article as though it's all part of the same thing and what's happening there is that google is like scraping the entire cnn site or the abc news site and it's seeing this old story as, as the main body of it but it's also seeing the related links or the related stories from the breaking news feed or something that's also on that web page and it's combining them into one thing so that you can only then dis- if if you then click on the article you can then go discern for yourself oh these two things aren't actually related whatsoever and when you click on it you can't even find if you do a control F for the thing that you had searched for, it yeah. doesn't even come up because by right. then the breaking news thing has changed or the relevant stories thing has changed. Anyway, it's all fucked up. It, it is. I mean, just to uh, echo what you said, that is obnoxious. I mean, just this happened to me just today on a story that's only a few days old, like the, the Kyrie Irving story. I was trying to find the article that I myself read, but a few days ago and now like it's trying to like mix it up and all the links take you to current information and not like the article that i'm specifically looking for it's a weird i don't know i think it's trying to help but it's like i i want something specific and i'm trying to direct you to that google's bias for new information works against finding i think i've said this on the show before finding out the way things were only a short time ago yeah, like, it's crazy. It's yeah. a serious problem. It's so this like, robot it, fixes that problem. Is that? I mean, that's a big sell. I would, I would switch over to the to the chat GPT or whatever. I mean, it, it, presumably in the long run, maybe. Right now, I mean, we talked about it when you were here a couple of weeks ago, but I'm not, I'm not fully sold on it. It's a fun tool at this point. I don't, I'm not sure what it will turn into. Anyway, the point of this Time article is to talk about how this open AI company was using these. Kenyans to humans, <laughs> not robot Kenyans, human Kenyans, right? Actual human Kenyans to uh, look at 
explicit material and obscene material and to help train the AI in uh, figuring out how to deal with that, ultimately in the hopes that the AI would stop spitting out uh, vitriolic and pornographic content. Uh, because if OpenAI wants to go from being this sort of fun tool that some people are playing with on the internet into a multi-billion dollar corporation, then you can't you're not going to be able to get on the thing and convince it to tell you an erotic story about your neighbor or something right. like that, right? Like that, that, right. that won't stand. So in the same way that Facebook has come under fire in uh, recent years for farming out a lot of this very – Content moderation. Right, this is content that- moderation work that is extremely punishing to the human psyche yes. <laughs> and the human soul, uh, and and doing it with like uh, like Indians or Kenyans in this case, or, or Malaysians or whoever the hell else they can get for what ultimately comes down to a couple dollars an hour. Like, is that a is that an ethical way for these companies to proceed? And the answer, obviously, emotionally, seems to be no. Although it was very funny to me reading this, and this is a quote from the article, the data labelers employed by Sama on behalf of OpenAI were paid a take-home wage of between $1.32 and $2 per hour, depending on seniority and performance. For this story, Time reviewed hundreds of pages of internal Sama and OpenAI documents, including workers' payslips, and interviewed four Sama employees who worked on the project. All the employees spoke on condition of anonymity out of concern for their livelihoods, which I read and began laughing out loud at because the the point of the story is to sort of scold OpenAI for being unethical, unacceptable slumlords, basically. Like that's the feeling that they want to generate in us, the Western advanced nations uh, who should care about these things, those those sorts of readers. But the workers don't want to talk on the record because they really like these fucking jobs and don't want to give them up. Well, it's preferable to have that job than not. I mean, again, it's like these two separate issues again. Like the information that they're consuming for, I guess, us, the general public, you know, they're taking in a lot of like just heinous images of like, you know, violent acts, like uh, child sexual images, like any weird shit like that, they're doing it because they kind of have to, right? But like the, the the need is still there. So just because, you know, we out here are uncomfortable with the fact that this is being done doesn't mean that they can do away with those jobs because they need the money, right? So it's like on one hand, yeah, this is fucked up. It's, it's going to mess up with my mental health viewing these images every day. But on the other hand, I need the job, you know, and like those two things can be true. Right. And like granted, sweatshops get a bad rap <laughs> uh, and and low wages in other countries get a bad rap. But they also do a really great job of raising, raising the standard of living in developing nations. Like, yeah, there's just no getting around it. Right, but uh, it, it still kind of feels exploitative that the you know the need you know like if 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 they had like organ, you know, like uh, harvesting, like but like people chose to you know to give stuff because they're desperate. I mean, I'm sure people would sign up. It doesn't make people feel good that it happens though. So it's like it's kind of this weird thing where it's like they're working on these. Uh, conditions that are not palatable to most people but like hey they're getting paid and so they would rather work than not i was like i said while you were here i had argued with this ai back and forth a few different times not (laughs) argued but like played different (laughs) games with it i came up with a game to play with it where i was describing music videos of the 1990s 
without naming like I, I said let's play a game I will describe the music video as best I can without telling you the artist or the song and I want you to tell me the artist or the song and that was right. a fun thing to do with it and it was it was interesting to test the limits of it and to test sort of the way that you can influence what it will say back to you which is also interesting to me so as far as I can tell the thing that it's best for that 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 I've got some sort of uh, usefulness out of was sort of hitting it with a whole bunch of thoughts, like uh, largely incoherent and not necessarily well put together or connected thoughts, and then just seeing what it would do with that as it regurgitated my own thoughts back at me in the form of like a, essentially a five-paragraph essay, right? right? So like on the surface, it's like, what do you think about this, 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 and this? And then ultimately all it does is spit back to me all of the things that I – plugged into the machine but it organizes them in a slightly better way or at least a slightly different way and that that was sort of interesting and also it was interesting to find the way that it would just make shit up in order to try to adhere to the parameters of the thing that i had stuck into it so for example the the easiest example that i can think of is that there's a music video by uh so so to play the game with anybody who's listening uh and and a few people who would be able to We'll probably get this one right away because it's fairly easy. So with, uh, against a human with the sort of knowledge base that the AI would have, this is actually extraordinarily easy. So I, I said, I'm thinking of a music video from the mid-1990s from an alternative rock band. The rock band is playing the song high above a city or uh, in, a, in a large apartment overlooking the street below and the scene that is unfolding below them on the street is a, a man lays down, is laying down on the street, and people keep walking up to him and asking him if there's something wrong, what they can do to get him off the street. There's a policeman who shows up who tries to solve the problem. Nobody can get the guy to get up off the street. And at the end of the music video, the kicker, the punchline of the music video, is that the band looks down, and now all of the people who had gathered to try to get the guy off the street, he finally tells them what's wrong, and instead of... Him getting up off the street, everyone lays down. And okay. it, it couldn't come up with the right answer, right? And, and to be clear, the right answer is uh, the song Just by Radiohead. Great video, great song. Would, would it, ha- it would still hazard a guess, like even though it's not getting it right, like confidently say, oh, this is definitely right. this. So it, it, it guessed something from the Stone Temple Pilots, right? So it, it took everything that I plugged into it and it was like, eh, oh, I know this one. This is uh, Interstate Love Song by the Stone Temple Pilots. And I was like, no, that's not right. And it said, okay, can you give me another hint? And I said, okay, a lyric from the song is, and I gave it a, a lyric. I said, the, you do it to yourself, you do, you and no one else, you do it to yourself. It said, oh, I know that. That's Pearl Jam, uh, Jeremy, which has the lyric. It, then it feeds me back the lyric. And then it says, and also features the band playing in an apartment. It's like, none of that is true, right? So like the, the video that you're describing does not exist and the lyric from just is not anywhere. It's clearly in- a man, this, this thing. Right. Like, <laughs> no, it, no, I said it. But it so asserts it's it with total confidence. Yes, the lyric, you do it to yourself, is in the song. Yeah, man, that's Pearl Jam. By Pearl Jam. <laughs> so, I remember that one. That's Pearl Jam. No, dude, it's not. This is very. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right. And so, but what's weird to me is that it has access to all of this information, because if I say, hey, what are the lyrics to Jeremy by Pearl Jam? 
It will give me the lyrics to right. Jeremy by Pearl Jam. And that specific lyric that it had previously insisted was part of that song will not be in that song. So there are ways in which it's very dumb, but it tries to figure out what it is that you're thinking and just sort of feed it back to you in a, in a way that is pleasing to you. So if I actually thought that the song had that lyric in it, I think I could have convinced it to tell me that it had that lyric in it, which is very strange. Right, that is strange. Yeah, so you're saying that in that example, like if you did a follow-up or a separate question, like is this lyric in this song, like it would come back with a no? Like if you if you asked it separately than what you were talking about earlier, like it would give you a different result if right. you were direct? Well, then it's useless. I mean, it would. I'm sure people would use these uh, chat GPT thing uh, to like settle an argument, and it's just going to make things worse. Where it's like, see, the robot said so, and it's like, no, the robot's lying. Right. And what's funny is then I got into an argument with it about the fair tax because the uh, <laughs> why not? <laughs> exactly. The as one does the Republicans, yes. and and this is now being presented by uh, bad faith. Democrat types as uh, this is like this is what Maganomics is. It's a uh, it, Republicans want to raise the taxes of the everyday working man by thirty percent without changing anything else about the tax code, which is simply not true. And I'm not saying necessarily that I think that the the national retail sales tax or a, a sort of modeled on a VAT, a value-added tax, is 100% the way to go. Although I do think there's an interesting ethical argument to be had about the correct way or the, the most ethical way to collect taxes and whether or not uh, taxing someone's time, uh, which is essentially what you're doing when you tax income, is that you're, you're putting a tax on uh, uh, human time. Right. Uh, is, Time better spent cooking he- cooking healthy food. Right is is a is a more ethical way rather than taxing consumption, which to me in our in a world in which our main primary concern is supposed to be the fact that we are over consuming our natural resources in such a way that it then further pours carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and further degrades the environment around us. That we have this sort of self perpetuating system that is only going to result in more human misery over the course. Like that's the, that's the thing that we're supposed to believe, right? right. That in relatively short order over the span of even just a, a few decades now, we are going to have so permanently altered the global ecosystem that it will be irre- irrecoverable uh, from in, in human terms, right? That the, the earth will become inhabitable for humans as quickly as the next century or so, Right. Maybe one way to approach this problem that is apparently uh, so severe that that we need to completely transform our uh, the way that we do everything on the planet would be to instead of taxing income to tax consumption instead to say if we reduce consumption and incentivize a reduction in consumption it will only be better for the planet. It wouldn't be better for generating money to fund whatever services are currently being offered right i mean like because with, with with income like you want more people to make money and then with it's kind of like the rising tide lifts all boats thing but with consumption the one flaw that i see is that there's there's a conflict there because you yes you want less consumption but you don't want that less consumption to impact significantly the money that's no coming in to spend on things. right further i don't think anyone's going to consume any less but i do think that in a in a weird that's sort of true, like yeah yeah. In in a weird consciousness raising as as a as a consciousness raising way of doing things, 
it is it is simply a fact that, that it, we should pay more attention to the way that we consume things and the amount of waste that we we sort of accept as a general cost of doing business and that you can reduce the waste in the system by making it more expensive to consume things and i've always thought that i've thought that a, a, a plastic bottle of coca-cola that costs a dollar 50 on the way out of the grocery store should have priced into it the actual cost of that non-degradable uh, piece of plastic that they're serving it to you in like there should be a much greater cost to the disposable nature of uh, the way that our economy functions. Right. And, and one way to do that is to increase the cost of consumption. And further, the argument that people always make about it is that this is a regressive tax, that it punishes people who don't make as much money. And my counter to that is that, first of all, it is relatively simple, especially when you consider the tax code the way that it currently is. It wouldn't be that – it wouldn't be any more fucking complicated to figure out a way to make sure that uh, people making a certain amount of money are exempt from paying the sales tax on things that they need to survive or that all that, – that everybody basically uh, can be exempted from – uh, the uh, the taxes on the basics, right? Like you, you could pretty easily devise a system that allows for that. And uh, the fact that the, the fucking robot, as I was having this conversation with it, just kept pushing out these same garbage uh, talking points that I've heard used against the fair... Like, ah, you know, it's rich people uh, wouldn't pay as much in taxes. It's like, ah, how do you think the system works now, you asshole? Right. <laughs> like, uh, rich people take all of their money and give it to accountants and tax lawyers who figure out a way for them to pay significantly less. Like, you can't tell me that their rich people are going to game the new system. They already game this system. What are you talking right. about? Right, and that, that therein lies the problem because it's like... It's a different way to do something, but it doesn't really, other than like philosophically, it doesn't solve anything. It, it's just oh, a different but way to, to Bob, do. philosophically is all that matters. <laughs> because it's not going to break down consumption, right? Like I, you would no, hope no, probably to, not. Right. But one way to fundamental, if 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 we truly believe that there are fundamental and intractable intractable problems built into the system, then. We should look for the easiest ways to change those fundamental and intractable problems. And I think going from something – going from an income tax, which disincentivizes hiring, it disincentivizes work, it disincentivizes a lot of the things that we would prefer to incentivize in this economy – and moving instead to a national retail sales tax that is incredibly simple to understand. You will pay a tax on the things that you buy. And by the way, you know what rich people do? They spend more money than the rest of us. Yes, by percentage of total income, maybe they don't. But they spend a shit ton more money than the rest of us uh, in, in total volume. And, right, but and, uh, you would have to come up with some sort of because that would be regressive, right? You would have to come up with like what, like some rebate or some cockamamie thing to kind of offset the the harm that it would do to people that are on the lower end of the income, right? Because yes, right. they do spend like, less, like but we it, like we do it, now with our progressive right. tax system. Like right. we yeah, already that's do what I'm this. So like, what will happen is right. So, but but philosophically, then right. is my concern here, which is that yeah. I think it is it it comes down to there is a more ethical way of taxing human endeavor, right? There's there's right. that there's something fundamentally flawed about taxing work. That ta work should be something that we incentivize, and and that human time should not be something that you sort of have to fork like when because when they talk about. This is something that people understand intuitively because you, every year we hear that uh, sometime in May or something, now the women get to work, right? Like it's like 
Right, but it's an income disparity thing, right? Where they talk about how the average white man has to work until July or something to make the same amount of money that a uh, uh, African American woman has to work until December or something along those lines, right? So we, there, there's an intuitive way in which we understand that it's not right that people should be compensated differently based on the amount of t- like the the value of a human hour is fundamentally the same whether you're qualified to make seven dollars and fifty cents an hour working at McDonald's or whether for some reason somebody has decided that you're worth seven hundred fifty dollars an hour because you've achieved all of these various things. Fundamentally, that's still just a, a unit of human labor. And it has always struck me as fundamentally wrong to value those two things differently in fundamental ways. Right. I, I think uh, you would run into even philosophically other issues with, well, why are you taxing at a higher rate something, you know, I need to eat, you know, like this is a vital function. <laughs> so it's like I'm paying money for, like at some point you have to charge a tax somewhere, right? And like they decided on income a long time ago, just like for whatever reason, uh, healthcare yeah, tied to, you your, can, you can to your work, You can right? exempt That's foods. Not ideal. You, can, you can exempt food. You can exempt uh, shelter up to a certain point, right? So if, if you want to have the 4,500 square foot mansion out in the suburbs, you're going to pay a hefty premium on that. But if you are only going to have a, a 1,100 square foot studio apartment, you won't pay a, a hefty premium, a tax premium on that. All of that can be right. figured out, right? right? Like this is what I mean. The complication are, is very clearly already exists in the right. tax system, right? <laughs> yes. So the complexity right. of yeah. the current tax system yeah. cannot be a defense against complexity in a future tax system. That doesn't right. make any no, sense. No, that's I think that's 100% true. The only argument which I've said a couple of times now is that what is the point then? Like if it's just going to be one uh, – you're replacing one cumbersome system with another just because it – you know, philosophically it's the right thing to do. Like I think that would be a hard sell. But on paper, yes, I do think – you know, if you were to start a new society, you you would not go through the income to tax. Yeah. But all the other taxes would still be there. Right? Property tax would still be there. All the other ways that things are funded would still exist. So, right, it's not a panacea. It doesn't solve yeah. all of the goddamn problems or any. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, one last thing here, real quick. There's a there's a thing called the Cochrane Institute. Uh, the what? Which. It's called the Cochrane Institute. The Cochrane Institute. No, that's no, no, what not I thought you said. That's, that's what I heard the first time. Good Lord. C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E. Hey, I didn't name it. They do studies of studies. They're one of these uh, like meta-analysis outfits out there where they don't actually conduct any of the studies, but they look at other studies and try to figure out uh, what they can learn by looking at all of the data rather right. than just one in particular study. Uh, They did a meta-analysis of 78 global studies, which finds that mask wearing reduced the risk of catching COVID-19 or a flu-like illness by about 5%. That's it? Does that number surprise you? Is this something that you have heard in the last week? And uh, do you sort of automatically rebel against it? Well, I mean, I I think... I'm surprised by the number, but probably if you think about it, it's not that surprising because, you know, when they say mask, they mean like any mask, cloth or otherwise, they mean, you know, poorly uh, worn masks, right? So it's like a lot of a lot of the execution of mask wearing seems to be a problem, right? Like if you have these cloth masks that aren't very effective, then that counts against, right? So the 5% 
is what like the medical professionals that are wearing them daily and they're doing the N95 variety. Is that what right. this so, study is, or this meta study is getting at? Right, and I will uh, certainly link to this in the show notes. Uh, both the like one news media article from a relatively reputable site that I could find about it, and also the study itself, which is at uh, CochranLibrary.com. I'll make sure there's links to that in the show notes. They hopefully provide in this summary a plain language summary, so you can skip down to that if you want. It says, uh, do physical measures such as hand washing or wearing masks stop or slow down the spread of respiratory viruses? Key messages. We are uncertain whether wearing masks or N95 P2 respirators helps to slow the spread of respiratory viruses based on the studies we assessed. Hand hygiene programs may help to slow the spread of respiratory viruses. We wanted to find out whether physical measures stop or slow the spread of respiratory viruses from well-controlled studies in which one intervention is compared to another, known as randomized controlled trials. We searched for RCT studies that looked at physical measures to stop people acquiring a respiratory virus infection. We identified 78 relevant studies. They took place in low, middle, and high-income countries worldwide in hospitals, schools, homes, offices, child care centers, and communities during non-epidemic influenza periods, the global H1N1 influenza pandemic in 2009, epidemic influenza seasons up to 2016, and during the COVID-19 pandemic. We identified five ongoing unpublished studies. Two of them evaluate masks and COVID-19. Five trials were funded by government and pharmaceutical companies, and nine trials were funded by pharmaceutical companies. We assess the effects of medical or surgical masks, also N95 P2 respirators, uh, so that, in other words, they looked at the normal box of 50 that you can buy at Costco or whatever, the the standard, like you go yeah. to the dentist or the doctor, yeah. and that's what the doctor's wearing, uh, and then they also uh, had studies of N95s, which are the, the more form-fitting things that you see a nurse wear. Yep. It's considered something more like PPE, like personal protective equipment. And then here are the following results on medical or surgical masks. Ten studies took place in the community and two studies in healthcare workers. Compared with wearing no mask in the community studies only, wearing a mask may make little to no difference in how many people caught a flu-like illness or COVID-like illness. And probably makes little or no difference in how many people have flu or COVID confirmed by a laboratory test. The point is just... They couldn't find any indication that wearing the masks made a significant difference in getting the flu or COVID-19. And then with the N95s, four studies were in healthcare workers. One small study was in the community. Compared with wearing medical or surgical masks, wearing N95 P2 respirators probably makes little to no difference in how many people have confirmed flu and may make little to no difference in how many people catch a flu-like illness or respiratory illness. And the hygiene thing basically says they could find a meaningful and not statistically insignificant reduction when proper hand-washing things are implemented uh, in terms of COVID-19 and also influenza-like illnesses. Right. What's weird about this finding uh, is that, okay, so because I'm thinking through this, all right, so. What's, what's weird about this finding yeah. is that you can't find it in the fucking news anywhere. Right. Except a, a occasional shot in a, at the Daily Mail or, or some absolutely wacky conspiracy blog. Right. And also, it does kind of run counter to like conventional wisdom because, okay, so are they, is this study just saying the attempt at mask wearing did not produce the outcome that people thought it would? Which is fine, but like, are they saying like if you were to wear a N95 mask at all times, 
it would do no good? Or are they saying that whatever you're saying you're doing, it's not producing the result that it is. So maybe you take your mask off and the opportunity presents itself throughout the day to contract the virus, right? I mean, those are two different things. Like, so it's the not point, clear. The point, of this, the point of this study is to look at a whole bunch of studies that have been done, which are likely to build in real-world results rather than best-case scenarios only, and right. see what actually happened. And when you look at the all of these nearly 80 studies that they looked at to come to this conclusion, the apparent conclusion that it makes perhaps a 5% difference if you wear a surgical mask. You can only reduce your risk of catching COVID or a flu-like illness by wearing a surgical mask by 5%, which is uh, arguably not even statistically significant right, number. Yeah. Right. Now, again, would they take this and then make a recommendation that wearing masks, however well you wear it, even if you wear it at all times, like 24 hours a day, you're wearing the mask and you're doing all the right things, it is a funeral effort, don't bother because it's a, what, 5% in, in difference. In the real world, what this study suggests is that in the real world, effectively, yes. No, because <laughs> that, that's not what they're saying because they don't really speak to adherence to mask wearing. It's just, right? I mean, this is just like people sure. are saying they're wearing masks, but the result is that people who claim that they wear masks versus people who don't claim that, there's a negligible difference in, in, in whether or not they get it, right? Which is a separate claim than saying that it sure. didn't work. The point is that if you go to the office and you sit there and you wear your mask all day and then you go and you go to the cafeteria and you're going to eat your lunch and you're going right. to sit down and you're going to take your mask off to eat your lunch or even just take your mask off in your office right. to eat your lunch. But you've been to the bathroom three times. Right. You went to grab a cup of coffee. There's fucking virus on your fingers now. Right. You touch the mask with your fingers even though you use the hand washing station or the sanitizer. You didn't quite get it all. You've now compromised your situation. Right. Yeah. Maybe in a laboratory setting where you have uh, strict control over the over everything, right. uh, you have a better chance of the mask actually making a difference. But the point of this study is to suggest that in the real world, it didn't make any meaningful difference right. whatsoever. Right. And this is not some like – and I, I checked. I was trying to figure out like Cochrane Library. Like is this just a fucking load of shit? I've never heard of them. Is Cochrane – Is this – right, but yeah. how, how would you hear about it, right? <laughs> but, you, you, <laughs> but they're not like – you know, there's like the studyfinds.org websites. I've heard of them. Like they, they do similar thing. Right. So I Googled, is Cochrane Library reliable? And it, the thing that comes up is Cochrane reviews are considered the gold standard of systematic reviews. Nice. Uh, but of course, they come under criticism by some researchers, and it's a it's a peer reviewed thing. Our experience confirms that most Cochrane reviews are reliable. That's from the National Library of Medicine. So, like, th this is not a disreputable outfit. Right? This it's is, not like some rolled whatever daily, some weird outfit that came out of nowhere. Right. As I said, what's weird about it to me is that this has got zero coverage whatsoever. There's no appetite for this in the mainstream media because it became such an entirely politicized and political uh, back and forth, a bunch of nonsense about these masks. And I'm not blaming one group or the other, but like it should be – this is the sort of information that should be disseminated regardless of whether or not it goes against your priors right. in, in, in terms of uh, whether or not you think people should be wearing masks. Like it's – it's relevant to the way that we interact with one another. It's relevant to the way that you 
think about your fellow citizens and the decisions that they make, right? Instead of making it this existential thing where if you go out without a mask, you're fucking killing uh, me as an immune-compromised individual, or you're killing my grandma because you just don't fucking care because you're an inhumane piece of shit. Like, this is the sort of thing that lowers the temperature, and it allows people to say, look, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, and you, like, by all means, do what you got to do. But, like, it, it doesn't appear to work. It doesn't appear to make any bit of fucking difference, and we can stop moralizing about the issue. Right. I, I, I'm not sure if this would lower the temperature because, I mean, at least if this story was widespread, the takeaway would obviously be masks. I mean, the general public would just say, so that means masks were useless all along, right? I mean, I don't know what other conclusion you can reach from reading what they said, but it's not clear. Right. Is that what and they by meant? The way, in, in heavily masked cultures, like show me the show me the proof that they get less colds, that they get less flu-like illness spreading among themselves, right? Like the if if anything changed with the the flu season last year, it was that nobody went out. The, the kids weren't in school. Right. We weren't passing around germs. Kids were in school last year. Well, the, 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 year, the, before. the, yeah. the year before, the when we didn't get sick for a whole year because yeah. we didn't, we literally didn't see anybody right. for a whole year right. besides the kids from down the street who didn't see anybody besides us for right. a whole year. So we didn't pass germs around. Like that's that's what made the difference. It wasn't masking. Right. I I I think if they if it did get wider. Uh, play like if this was maybe like a new uh, NPR article I would imagine that they would massage the the message and and say that you know mask adherence is overstated you know like people are not using their masks as much as they claim to be like I would imagine they would take that approach instead of just just regurgitating whatever this Cochrane group came from came up with. There are, there are still there are still people online who get like thousands of retweets when they tweet out things like "You're not a real progressive if you're not still wearing a mask." Like there, really? there are people. People who, are still uh, in 2023. Yes, I just saw one last week. Like boy, people boy. are are really still on this same thing about if you're not wearing a mask, you don't care about the immune compromised, and you're a you're a genocide heir. Like it's people are fucking insane with this stuff, and it's not clear that it ever worked. And at yeah. the same time, I was like, just I, I was with everybody else two years ago. I was like, just put on the fucking mask, right. man. Like it's not that big a deal. Right. This is just what we're doing now because we don't know any better. That right. was my position then. I don't regret my position then because I didn't fucking know any better. But right. with the presentation of new evidence, I think it's it's safe to say I would just be an asshole if I was still going around saying put on the fucking mask, man, because right. it's what we're doing now when there's not really any indication that we should be right uh you've been listening to cast iron brains a podcast with bob and abe find the show on facebook or twitter head on over to brainiron.com or castironbrains.com for a show note the opening and closing themes of the show were composed by mark gillig he of the rock and roll outfit tetramer t-e-t-r-a-m-e-r music.com for their wonderful songs abe did you make to the movies this week yes i uh went to the movie twice. The movie's twice. I went to go see Infinity Pool, which is a movie I did not care for. Just uh, is that one of those uh, one of those Avengers movies? That no, like, it's like uh, it's got one of those Skarsgård people. One of those Infinity wait, wait. Pool. Like if there's a Skarsgård in it. There must be some weird sexual deviancy involved. There's some That's weird my, shit. Yeah, uh, my Scars. The, the rule of yeah. Skarsgård is that if there's a Skarsgård, there's probably going to be some weird sexual deviancy. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 story is pretty goofy. Uh, it's it's like this couple that they're on some vacation in some random country. 
blah 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 the the guy the scars guard oh, guy. Oh, I read an article about this movie. I wanted to see this movie. You're saying right. it wasn't good? Well, I didn't like it. So this is the movie where like they do crimes and then they can either get the death penalty or be cloned and, and have their clones the clone get the death, death, penalty? death penalty. Yeah. So that's yeah. the movie. Uh, this is one of those movies where it's like a good cr- hook. It's a great. The hook. Rotten Tomatoes like critically acclaimed, but like the audience hated it. One of those splits. Right. I think it was like eighty something the top critics, and then like fifty percent the general audience. But right. the story is just like you know, it's it's one of these like well maybe you know your clone survived and not like your original you like right. one of these kind of things. But the movie just like whatever. Anyways, the movie I want to talk about is the other movie I want to go see, which is M Shyamalan's uh, M Night Shyamalan's. Mm. Knock at the cabin. It dethroned my boy James Cameron from the top of the box office. Uh, so, oh yeah, kudos. was it number one this weekend? Very number nice. one, yeah. Knock at the cabin. So this story is, I guess, based on something—a book or whatever. Uh, it's this couple, this gay couple, uh, the the guy from Hamilton being one of the gay couple guys, and they have a kid. Uh, these four weirdos come to them. At not, this, not to be clear, Lin Manuel Miranda. Not Lin, yeah, the king, right. King George, Jonathan Groff. Yes, the four people weirdos come to to them and say, "Hey, I know you guys are having fun on this vacation. One of you has to kill the other, or the world will come to an end." I know, okay. sucks, ruins your vacation, but that's the whole movie. Like, what will it take for you to believe us four, who are strangers? We just met today. That we're telling you the truth. If you so, the strangers, the strangers show up. This ties in well with what we watched. The strangers show up and give you a trolley problem, where on the one track is your loved one, and on the other track is the whole of the world. The whole of the world, and you know, obviously, the family's reacting violently against, like, "Fuck that, we're not doing this." Blah blah blah. So they tie them up, and they're like, "Please believe us, because uh, we're gonna have to start killing ourselves to kind of demonstrate that we're telling you the truth." So. This is, one of those, this is one of those where you should probably stop here, right? Like this is the setup, and you probably don't want to keep going as far as the plot goes, right? If you right. don't want to ruin there's it. There's a twist because right. it's one there's, of that guy's movies. There's a M. Shyamalan kind of thing, but basically that, that's the whole story. But it's kind of like it's an entertaining movie, but like that's the movie. There, it's like an hour and forty <laughs> minutes of that's it. Like it's a very like. This is a story. What would you do? But it's like it takes an hour and a half to get there, and it's like, all right, come mm-hmm. on, make a decision, kill the kid. Do you want? Uh, do you want to pretend, Like, is the point here to spoil it? If no, we need people what, to what I tune say, out, uh, no, uh, people should watch it. I mean, come on, number one movie uh, should be able to watch it whenever it comes out um, on HBO or wherever. But the problem that I, the one criticism that's not spoiler heavy is that if you have this information right and you truly believe that the world's going to come to an end. And I need to convince these people to do a thing that they don't want to do, which is to kill one of their loved ones, right? I mean, that's a big ask, right? Right. The, the approach that these four people had was like the dumbest. Like, just think of it from their point of view. Like, you, they're just yeah. like exasperated. Like, come on, why aren't you just kill one of you? Like, why is it such a big thing? It's like, dude, they don't know you. You got to give them more. Like, and they weren't giving them more to believe in, you know? And so some of the choices that they were making, the family. Is this- is this secretly a climate change allegory, or is it is it something else? Is this like no. uh, if you won't sacrifice for yourself, then the whole world's going to end? Kind of is that what they're getting at here? Or no, no, they didn't go there. No, no. Although the, you know it opened, you know at the beginning the the couple they're thinking, oh, this is some sort of hate crime scheme that you're you just want us to kill each other because you hate us or whatever. Like, no, no, we don't care about the whole gay stuff. 
Just right. Does Dave Bautista volunteer to do fellatio on any of the? <laughs> just to prove, like it's not. A, this is not a gay hate thing. I, I'll no. prove it to you. No, but now what's weird? Suck my cock. <laughs> when when they would say no to the, will you sacrifice yourselves? They would turn on the TV to show like, oh, there's an earthquake somewhere. Clearly, we're telling the truth. Or it's like, what? Like, <laughs> it's just Wednesday. There yeah. could be an earthquake Wednesday. It's just what yeah, happens. Yeah, so the movie is just like that, but just kind of on that track. But it was entertaining enough, better than Infinity Pool, and uh, those were right. well, good. good to know. So, sounds like a hearty recommendation. It does it ties in with what we watched? Yeah, we the, we were gonna watch an Oscar. Like we had the Oscars coming up. I don't know when we did next watch month or something. An Oscar thing, but yeah. So we were trying to pick from the list of Oscar movies that were available to stream that we have not yet seen, and uh, and we we settled on Elvis. That's oh, not Elvis. What it tied in with. No, oh, what did it tie in with then? That tie. How was it tie in with Elvis at where, all? I don't know where you're going. You love the, Baz Luhrmann. You can no, tie Baz Luhrmann to anything. No, the don't pick up the phone movie where they're manipulating people into doing stuff to other people. You maniac. Oh yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with. Uh, that's got nothing to do with the Oscars. So we watched this thing. <laughs> Jesus on, Christ! We watched this thing. I. I legitimately just completely forgot. You know what happens with most television with me? Yeah. It goes right out of my uh, head because yeah. it's but fucking Abe stupid. Basically television just describes television it. sucks ass. If I had instead it's not read television, it was I, a mini documentary. If Calm I had read down. a twenty five hundred word article yeah. on this phenomenon, I would never forget it. But because it was a television show, it's like ah, ah done. Don't have to think about that anymore. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the television show or the documentary? Right, it's called. It's not a television show. It was a three hour documentary split into three parts that's not a television okay. show it was television it felt like television it tasted like television it smelled like television <laughs> all right calm down <laughs> like like pornography i know shut up i know calm tv down. when i see it calm down all right it was on netflix it's called don't pick up the phone and it is about a story that i cannot believe i had not heard before because it's so fucking crazy so Back in the late 90s and early 2000s, there was this guy, apparently just one, but maybe more, who knows, who would call up various fast food chains, oh, generally, I in, watch this. <laughs> generally, nice. in a, generally in a small town, and convince the manager on duty to perform a strip search and potentially, possibly, sexually assault one of their... Uh, minimum wage wage slaves there, right? right. So the, the guy gets on the phone. He says, I'm a policeman with the local police force, and it is imperative that either uh, this person is going to come down to the uh, police station and be strip searched there, or we can settle this now over the phone, and you need to check and see if this person has a customer reported a missing $50 bill right. or a missing wallet or something right. like that. So you need to... Find out if uh, the the petite blonde girl who's working in your store right now has the money on her, right? right. And this is apparently something that hope happened close to one hundred times, yes, all over the country all in different over the small place. towns, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, they broke it out into an almost three hour uh, TV series, and. I guess it's worth watching. Again, like I would much prefer. The point is, if this was a magazine article that you could just read and be done with, but I don't know if it would have been as good because you don't have the people talking, and it, whatever. the The point is, a stranger calls or comes to your house and suggests you do horrible things, and like they did it, right? 
They did it. It's crazy yeah. how susceptible. I mean, you know, some of the examples are like, oh, this this kid was like, you know, raised in some strict family and they were just listen to whatever your elders say or whatever. And so that's kind of obedient. But it's remarkable how often this would work, like where nobody would say, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm not doing any well, of this. Well, and that's what was interesting, I think, to me. The person who came in later on in the conversation yeah. was normally like, what the fuck right. is going on? Right. But it was that gradual buildup. Yeah. That's like they earn their trust and earn their trust, and then it's just too late. It was super right. fucked up. Movie. Also, yeah. not not always the case that somebody who gets brought in halfway yeah. in uh, not gets the, does the what the fuck thing. Instead, right. sometimes uh, that person goes on to be the primary assaulter of, of the person yeah, that uh, time. currently naked. But a really fucked up story. And the uh, largely dissatisfying or unsatisfactory end to the story because the guy that they have pretty convincingly pinned these crimes on uh, ultimately gets off because it's... Because it's so weird. There's a minimal amount of actual evidence. And yeah, it's, it's just weird to imagine that you can sexually assault somebody over the phone from a thousand miles away while puppeteering some other person. And like my... <laughs> My main takeaway from this was to think that this is actually, I guess, surprising as it is to an extent. If you think about it, I want you to try to figure out if you're trying to come up with a population of people who are likely to be stupid. Oh, boy. Who? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Abe is offended by what have you're I, insinuating. Have I hurt your, your sensibilities here, Abe? I apologize. You're, you're going to make a... Uh... <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> if you're looking for a uh, a class of people right. who's uh, of moderate to low intelligence but has been given a disproportionate amount of power over another group of people yeah. likely of even lower intelligence, right. then you're going to start with the fast food industry where you have managers with wild amounts of power right. – with, uh, for little pay, who don't require a great deal of intelligence to do their jobs. Now, uh, can great ones, in fact, be possessed of uh, of uh, an intelligence that is uncommon? I mean, who knows? To the uh, general industry? Right. Yes. I, I've witnessed it many times myself. I'm not – hashtag not all assistant managers, right? Uh, granted. Right. But – if we're looking for a class of people who are generally dumb and able to take orders and have a disproportionate amount of power over another class of people who are generally dumb and uh, likely to take orders, this is the exact scenario <laughs> that you're looking for. So intelligence and trust aren't the same, right? I mean, th there are people that are, I think, to uh, for whatever reason, they're overly trusting of um, – police or like some you know person who purports to be like some you know uh, uh you're telling me authority. that you don't so, you don't believe that there's any correlation not causality not right. a not a not not a total link an absolute link but you don't think that there's any correlation between the the general skepticism of of a person taking orders and and intelligence? Like you don't think that skepticism and intelligence go together in any sort of way? I'm saying I'm not making that connection. Uh, I, I, <laughs> because people... Very good, Abe. <laughs> you are. I, I mean, 100%, if I were those assistant managers, 
I would have insisted on calling my manager. Like, I would defer to my own... Like, yeah, um... I'm actually only the assistant manager. I'm going to have to call, like, I'll hang out here, but, like, I'm going to have to call my boss in order to do the thing that you're trying to tell me to do. I would 100% pass the duty of trust onto someone else. I can't be the only person who knows or at least like has that natural inclination that if somebody calls you up on the phone and tells you to do some weird shit and they're claiming to be someone, immediately hang up and call back that person at a known number, right? Not some number that they gave you, like uh, 555-3232. Like, no, I'm going to call the police because I know the police phone number. So I'm just going to – yeah, give me a minute, buddy. I got to make a quick call. Uh, and we'll, and we'll do what you want me to do. And you call the local police. And you're like, hey, there's this person on the phone who tells me he's working with you, who's a policeman who wants me to take all the clothes off my uh, seven dollar an hour employee here. Should I do that? Right. Is this real? And the cop would say, uh, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. We're sending an officer down right now to sort this out. Right. And also, why not? I mean, you know, they they were presenting it as a as a. a, a a threatening kind of thing. Like you can either do this for us. Basically I'm cutting corners. Like instead of me sh- just showing up and doing my job, can you just strip search for somebody stole somebody's wallet or whatever? Right? Like they present it in such a way, like you don't want us to come there. We're going to make a big scene or we're going to do a thing in front of your customers. So do me a favor and do these things. Right? So they well, presented and- it in like, it's going to be a bad look for your store. If well, somebody gets frog marked to- out. The strip searching is that the person is totally innocent. Right. So they're like, yeah, search me. Like, go ahead. I have nothing to hide. Right. I can assure you, you have something to hide. And it's all of the parts (laughs) that are beneath your clothing. Yeah, well. (laughs) That is is not okay. And like... You no, feel bad totally for I mean, these kids. They're like sixteen-year-old kids that they're right. doing this. You feel bad for the kids, yeah. especially. Like, holy shit! Yeah. Like, you just say no. You're like, no. I'll go to the police station. What are I'm you talking about? You're gonna fucking my take my clothes off. You out of your goddamn mind? Right. And, boss. And I, I, I don't want to be a lawyer, but I would love to have been the prosecutor for those dopes uh, manager that went through with it because, like, oh, the fucking. Voice in my on the phone told me to do it. I was like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> really? That's a standard. Just do whatever they say. Insane. Now we can talk about the Oscar movie. All right. Yeah. But it doesn't relate to the movie about trying to convince people to do weird things. Like I said, the, the TV is just yeah. pure garbage. Goes right through my brain. Elvis. We watched Elvis. That was what we settled on. It there's, was so good. There's some other movie called like Triangle of Sadness. Not it's like ah, it. Triangle of Sadness. We yeah, I, even the, I did not watch the that. Sad Men movie. The Sad Men. The... We're gonna watch the Banshees of Incheron or whatever oh, that yeah, one yeah. is. That uh, wasn't bad. Yeah. That, that one looks fun, and we'll definitely watch that before the Oscars at some point. But how did you we, like we uh, Tom, uh, Tom Cruise? Uh, what's his face? Yes. Tom Hanks. I thought Tom Hanks was great. I don't was know what fine. I don't know what people are complaining about. The 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 voice is what most people just didn't like, but like two seconds in, it's just fine, you know. It's fine. Yeah, like and like this is a Baz Luhrmann movie. This isn't Road to Perdition. Like, oh, <laughs> like it's a, a question of it's a, it's a question of what is the context here, right? right? And if he's doing his sort of weird, because it's almost like not Doctor Evil, but uh, 
gold member in Austin Powers. It's sort of a gold member in Austin Powers thing that he's doing. If he's doing that in yeah. Casino Royale, it doesn't make any fucking sense. You're right. like, this doesn't work at all. all right. But if you're doing gold member in Austin Powers movies, it works out. And if you're doing the Colonel Tom, whatever his name was, in Elvis, a Boz Lerman movie, which is completely fucking insane and absurd, where John Leguizamo in previous Boz Lerman movie played a sitar. Like, John Leguizamo played a, a, a human sitar. Well, he played it, someone <laughs> playing a sitar. Right. But but functionally, he was a, a musical instrument right. in a well, previous Yes, Bos Lerman in this uh, uh, film, and like this is what you expect when you. And I love Bos Lerman movies. I'm a total sucker for them. Obviously, they're fucking uh, great. Moulin why. Rouge was great. I loved The Great Gatsby as well. And Elvis was was totally fine. I don't know what anybody could complain about. This is what movies should be. Like you should go to the movies and be like, holy shit, what's even happening uh, right now? And that's what your feeling of watching a movie should be a lot of the time. And that's what Bos Lerman gives you. It was weird to me that they. Uh, couched the whole thing from the perspective of the Tom Hanks character. But ultimately, I think the idea, it's and, it, and it's very weird to me that this movie came out the same year that Blonde did. It's very weird. Because it's, they're the same movie. And they couldn't be more not the same movie, but Blonde and Elvis are basically the same movie saying basically the same thing about what uh, massive fame, about the cost of, of fame is for the individual, right? Which is that it's never good. It's never fucking worth it. The trade-off is never worth it. And you think that you're going to do uh, great things and, and, and get your art out there for the world to see. And America, the culture, is just going to beat you down to a bloody pulp by the end of it. It's right. guaranteed to happen every time. And that's why they couched it in the Tom Hanks character, right? Because this is, this is a way of trying to indict the audience, when you put it in the voice of and through the eyes of this character uh, who should be sort of – he should make your your skin crawl throughout the film, that, that should be a self-indictment. That should be a reflection of you as an audience member. And I thought it worked great. I, I really enjoyed the movie. Oh, good. And it spawned my obnoxious rant at the beginning about cultural appropriation. I told you this was about Elvis. Of course I, it's about Eminem. Elvis. I told you. It's not about Eminem. Why do you always bring up Eminem? It has nothing because to do. Because you're a big fan. It has nothing to do with we Eminem. We have an Eminem CD just in the other room. I, I didn't buy it. It sounds like I doth protest too much here. But I can assure you it's not about okay, Eminem. Well, it's not my Eminem CD. Uh, the idea that anybody could do you know who wrote you know hound dog the the the, the song hound dog right yeah. big mama Sorry. thornton yeah. right so the, the the charge of elvis is that he takes this nice black lady's song and turns it into something that's palatable for white america to to make it more popular and like that's the only way and elvis did some sort of a wrong here by recording the song and making it famous when big mama thornton did a more authentic version you know who wrote hound dog a Jew from Maryland and a Jew from Long Island. Right. Two white Jews wrote that fucking song. I don't want to hear about cultural appropriation. And, like, I get it. it there, there are icky ways in which uh, the, the, the way that the culture moves naturally where white artists record black songs and they become more popular, and that's a fucking bummer. But that's just, that's just what humans do, right? right. We're, we're sort of naturally separated into these different cultural tribes, and, we, and the beauty of America, the, the, the disgusting, awful place, that it is the beauty of it is that uh, 
very distinct and disparate people come together and we produce something greater out of the whole. And and you can you can make all of your arguments about the dominant culture being a vampire against uh, lesser cultures or, or or minority cultures that that actually have more authentic authenticity some way or another. But like authentic compared to what? Right. Indigenous since when? Get the fuck out of here. We do this thing in this the, the the most amazing thing that we do is we take all of the best parts of what everyone has to bring and we turn into this fucking Boslerman spectacular and I don't know what anybody complains about. It's fucking wonderful. Like we got Elvis and it's a good thing. There's no complaining about the fact that we got Elvis. I, I, I read a lot of the complaints were too much uh, screen time was spent on the Tom Hanks character and the voice. I, I, I did read a little bit about the cultural or whatever, but that was more muted. That don't, uh, I don't think that was too big of a concern with this movie. Although there are examples... What didn't let Zeppelin get accused of like just outright stealing? Like uh, everybody does. But that's what all art is. <laughs> no, like, you know, like, I, okay. I just, so like the, uh, if if Jimmy Page was going around talking all the time about I'm the fucking greatest and I'm a genius and everybody else can go suck eggs, like yeah, that would be annoying and he should be uh, reprimanded for that right. in some meaningful way. No, but but like he doesn't do that. He re- he he recognizes that. I mean, Bob Dylan didn't write any of his fucking songs. Right, but well, like, I think he did uh, later. Eventually, he wrote his own songs. But like the folk yeah, tradition, folk singers, don't folk, write folk their singers own songs. just right. play songs that are part of a of a, a greater cultural heritage, right? And they make them their own, and they change a couple things, and it becomes something else, and no. it becomes meaningful for a new group of people. Like uh, not to extemporize on the long essay that I wrote at the top. Go back and listen to that again if you have the. Don't do that. But, <laughs> uh, but it just it, the cultural appropriation stuff. Like I get it. Like there are ways in which it's it can be gross. You can cheapen things. You can you can turn them into sort of a, a crass and disgusting sort of capitalist commercial enterprise where where it, it makes you feel bad about the fact that it seems like something is being exploited. Sometimes people even kill themselves because of that. Kurt Cobain. Right. Not a fan it, of the show, and it's uh, and and that obvious. And uh, I'm not even talking about that sort of stuff. But like, there is a real way in which this can be a problem. Like, it can be exploitative, and it can be bad. And I recognize that. But but largely speaking, like, go watch the 50 Years of Hip Hop thing, and watch the way that these people borrow and steal from each other and from other parts of music. These people, and it doesn't just go in one <laughs> way or another. Yeah. How dare you with the, these people? Like, it's it's a beautiful thing the no, product I, of appropriation is overwhelmingly positive right. and i don't know what anybody's talking I think, about just for clarity there is some lumping going on i think what you're saying is correct but there are people who literally steal it's kind of like stealing a, a, a comedian's jokes you know like what was that when a houston song that was written by like dolly parton, dolly parton. right and and uh, aretha franklin somebody else wrote the song or they actually performed there is a really good hour-long little documentary thing on Hulu about who let the dogs out. Oh. And and where it came from and who wrote it. And it is about exactly this, sort of, because you kind of end up where you don't know who wrote it. Right. But it's very good. And it's like, who who gets the credit? Is it possible that the person who wrote it for the first time doesn't actually remember, right? Like, yeah, I might have written that. I but don't is know. that the conversation that anyone's having when they talk about cultural appropriation? Like, nobody's ever talking about it in the specific way in which uh, somebody 
somebody did a, a thiefing, right? right. Somebody, right. somebody actually. No, usually we're talking about it in terms of the fact that this kid who grew up in a certain neighborhood uh, and and had a certain group of friends shouldn't be permitted to talk this way or wear his hair in a certain way. Right. Like what the fuck? Like you don't get to choose who you are. Right. You don't get to choose how you yeah, came like, up. Yeah, like why and is you Bruno Mars the way he is? It's yeah. very strange. He can't help being that right. way. Nobody, nobody chose who that who they were in that way. You don't choose what gives you joy. You don't choose what makes you feel connection with other people. It's just how you feel. And then you get to then go on to express that in ways that hopefully other people can connect with as well. And yeah, always there are caveats and, and, and gross, crass ways of doing it. And you shouldn't buy plastic sombreros for taco <laughs> yeah. night at yeah. your house. Yeah, right? you, you, sure. Yeah, but you are right. You also, are, don't you, do blackface ever. Right. You are a product of your environment and you know, that was his environment, Elvis. Like, I don't understand why that would be an issue. But he also, I mean, the, everything was different. There was no internet back right. then. Also, he, he, as a grown-ass man, he fell in love with a 14-year-old, and that went largely unaddressed. They, that that movie back then, huh? was a beautiful painting, Leave It Alone. Right. No, it was good, and it was, and I, and it rang true, even when it was obviously false. It 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 rang true in ways that mattered. Also, and I the kid it. who played Elvis is amazing. Yeah, Austin Butler, he was good. Holy shit! Yeah, he was pretty good. Anyway, you uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? No, nope. oh, no shit. We got to do the zombie show. How was the zombie show? Oh, oh the zombie show the, is good. Y'all mushroom zombies. Up? Two, two episodes? Yeah. yeah, we're all caught up. Yeah, after that third episode, which made me feel sad in my free time, what the fuck? <laughs> They're doing this thing where the episode, the, the lengths are or what? The, the third episode is like an hour 15, like almost like a movie. And then the fourth episode is like 40 minutes. And now to get ahead of, or 45 minutes, to get ahead yeah, of the Super Bowl. they're giving it to us on they're Friday. They're releasing the next episode on Friday. I appreciate it. Which is going to be fun. Episode three of Last of Us, which was the one with the uh, gay Frank and Bill, and it had the the Nick Offerman and the, the guy Murray from the White Bartlett. Lotus, right? Wasn't he like the the, the right. cokehead? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good episode of TV, uh, <sighs> and a, a beautiful story. And I thought presented in such a way, this is exactly how, and not to get all maudlin about it, but like this is how you do. This is this is how you change an entire culture, right? Now, granted, this is this is coming after uh, a forty-year revolution in terms of the way that we see uh, homosexuals. Coming and, after Queer Eye, the right. first go round, absolutely. Like it's coming at the tail end, or or like at the end. But in terms of like when people talk about normalizing things, yeah, like this was just a beautiful story of two human beings who fell in love and like say what you will about the the queer the queering of american cinema or television or whatever and the the unsurprising right-wing freak out about the fact that there were two dudes in this show who fell in love with each other uh but like get the fuck out of here but also like, this that was, had to was... be part of it it makes it cuz you take you know not any dude and any woman and they meet in the same circumstances. It's like, well, we could make this work, but like, not everybody's gay. So, like, the chances that the guy who fell in the pit is just like Nick Offerman, like that, you know, that makes it more special. Also, it just would have been. It, 
what's funny is that in the current environment, how much easier it is to have this be two gay dudes rather than a dude who's holed up in yeah. his in his fucking fortress with a bunch of guns and a woman, woman walks falls in and a woman pit. falls into a hole. Right. And they, that wouldn't work. And they, they fall in love. Like in the, in the way that the current <laughs> politics work, that's just rape. Right. That's just, that's right. just 20 years of apocalypse rape <laughs> yeah. that happens there. It would be. Right? So it's completely unexpected. And it's funny to me that you can get around that yeah. by just making it well, two gay Well, but also this dudes. was in the game, so they didn't, you know. Right, it, but the point is that it's not a story that you could tell yeah. in the current moment in the way that you can tell it because it's two gay dudes. Whatever. Which, TV shouldn't make me feel so sad. Yeah. It seems like the, the show is going to be mo- mostly that, right? All these people are going to die There's a the difference girl. between... That was a different... The reason it was good is because it was not a normal zombie yeah. sad. It yeah. wasn't, oh, your favorite character died. Like, don't tell me a love story in my zombie right. show. <laughs> I'm trying to watch a zombie show on a Sunday night. How dare you make me feel? That was good TV. By the way, and... the uh, the doomsday preppers like that was like the one scenario where their delusional thinking would have been useful you know like oh that's right <laughs> you thought i was crazy this is, a, but... this is amazing <laughs> this is actually... exactly what i've been waiting for when i when every when i would when everyone died i was happy is that what he said yeah. yeah one of my favorite old assistant managers that i used to work with in the delivery days was this kid named kevin and he was at heart just this uh, redneck prepper type he also he listened to heavy industrial and metal music, so he was sort of a, a a weirdo in that way. But also, like in his dream scenario, we would have a zombie apocalypse, and he would get to live in his little trailer, fully decked out with a bunch of guns, and just <laughs> uh, murder zombies all day long. And he was a lot of fun to hang out with. We just talk all night yeah. about about that Max Brooks book, the uh, World book. War Z book. Oh, so good! It's great. Anyway, and the last episode was fine. Uh, episode four, a little bit formulaic, and one imagines exactly what the next episode of the show is going to be right. based on what has happened here in the last. So, like, no, not that, everybody. You write stuff. You imagine. I have no idea sure. what's happening. Sure. So shut up. But it's well made TV, and it's worth watching. So we'll keep doing yeah. it. Anyway, you uh, you got anything else for us tonight? We'd watch I... it even if it wasn't good. Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight. Then we will talk to you next time. Later. One more thing about the Grammys. Have you seen people freaking out on the internet about the fact that Sam Smith and some other uh, transgender individual did a performance and Sam Smith was in Devil Horns? And it was I all... saw a tweet about that, some some sort of devil worship thing. Right. And it, it like it looks very much like that, that goofy music video that came out a couple of years ago with the, the gay fella who did the, the country X. music song. Yeah, Little Nas X mm-hmm. also did yeah. a, oh, I might have sex with no, the devil. I'm, I'm scary. I do devil stuff and that's I'm gay. That's a little them, right? Yeah. They dress up as cutie little devils all the time. The point here is that this is something that I think is going away in terms of being a meaningful way of... Uh, generating outrage, right? Because we don't, we no longer have like this overwhelmingly uh, Catholic and and very uh, uh, puritanical sense of the world. We're already stewing in like the, the like not to go full Ben Shapiro here, but like the wet ass pussy of it all, right? Yeah. Like, like, like 
you really think that putting on devil horns is going to scare the shit out of middle America at this point? Like, what are we? What, you, we got to come up with a better class of. of think that's what he was trying to do outrage farmers of course he is right he's absolutely trying to get a reaction out of people and like i think that people sort of went through the motions and are like yeah yeah we're outraged because satanism and devils and stuff but it just doesn't have at all the same power that would have had 20 or 30 years ago no i think you're right very soon oh hey, hey did you ever did you did you see Strassman last week with a Tom Brady report? No, I. Uh, you, you didn't give me a date. What, I'm like a week behind. Was it on the regular mornings? <laughs> like a week behind. Don't tell me what happened to the news, Bob. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> on either Wednesday or Thursday, Strassman had a CBS like with Gail and, and Bob is Nate. going to need you to yeah. video it from your phone. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to carve some time during my busy work day. Right, so Brady does the announcement, and then Strassman has a report on CBS News about it, and it's it's been completely scrubbed from the internet as of this afternoon. Because I, he works for Fox now. What? No, Tom Brady. Brady. Oh. Calm down. I was going to say Strassman moved yeah, to I Fox. Know, right? and yeah, right. Yeah, lose my get. fucking mind. <laughs> anyway, we got to find that. We got to yeah. find that tape. There, he must but, get off a good one, or else they wouldn't it, have scrubbed it from the internet. Right, and it must be available in my YouTube recording, right? I mean, it was just a few days ago. They can't scrub that, can they? They sure can. If you re- do, you record the CBS Morning Gale <laughs> King the Nate Burleson. Like, what are you talking about? They of can do so. whatever they want. That's a, that's a cloud recording. They can make that go away. No, but they give you versions like my recording, my actual recording. They can't take that from me for another nine months. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs>